Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. We are the Blanchard Brothers, back with uh, episode two of this season two of 2x2 two two Retro Reviews. Yes. That's right, it's the Sorcerer's Shakedown. Yes. Uh, Do you want to drive or you want to shoot? I'm going to go with drive. Okay. I'd like to drive that vehicle. Um... Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. Maybe we're doing it first, I guess. I would like to, just because I have a lot more to say about Sorcerer, just because it's so fresh okay. in my mind. Well, obviously, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But yes, this is a 2x2 two two retro review episode. I uh, hope you checked out these films, possibly, beforehand. We know you had to pay for them, so if they weren't part of your collection. If you didn't have a Shakedown Blu-ray just sitting around. I don't know if this movie made the jump to Blu-ray. It did. It did. Oh, okay. Recently, if I might, uh, if I think. Oh, Shout Factory, right? Right, I believe right. so. I bet you that's the hour and fifty-two minute probably. cut. Probably, yeah, that's probably where it is. Again, either that or Dino De Laurentiis knows where it's at and isn't telling us. Damn Dino. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's on deck. So we we establish we'll do Shakedown up top, and and then we'll hit Sorcerer, uh, which I've been waiting to talk with you about for quite some time. Looking forward to it. But before we do any of that. What you been watching? You want my new or my um, rewatches first? Let's go ahead and go with new, and we'll build to the rewatches, uh, which will lead us into movies. Do you have any TV at the top? Negative Ghost Rider. Okay, all movies. Well, then maybe maybe I'll go. Go go for maybe it. Maybe I'll go then. I'm watching a little little TV. We mentioned on previous episodes already wrapped up leftovers and uh, Twin Peaks: The Return. Rewatches on both of those. Felt kind of lost afterwards. Not like I wanted to go back and watch Lost. Just literally, like, where do I go? Do I want to start something like brand new? Do I want to continue to revisit a classic I love? Did you get to Dave uh, yet? We talked about this. You did get. To I Dave. messaged you. That's right. Brilliant. Yeah, yes. Okay. If I, I told you retroactively, right? If I had seen it before that episode, it would have cracked my top ten. A hundred percent. Gotcha. Great show. Highly recommend. Did we talk about it on here a little bit? I think we did. I thought so. I don't know. I haven't been re-listening to the episodes as much because I've been backloaded with other podcasts that aren't ours uh, that I want to listen to. So I got they're banking up. I'm downloading them because you know the numbers count even if they're from yourself. Okay. Uh, Yeah. You gotta spend listens to make listens. I guess is that a thing? I mean, I put it on at work and just you know keep it on silent. Uh, I appreciate that. It's you like are liking, downloading, correct? Right. I mean, okay. it's like, it's kind of like liking your own photo on Instagram, but I do it. So, yeah. who cares? It is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I didn't know where to go. Yeah. And so I, I found an old friend that just popped up on Hulu again, even though I owned it on DVD, but you know, the streaming world is what it is. Finally got Veronica to watch the pilot of Freaks and Geeks with me. Okay. Which totally sold her. We're now about a little more than halfway through. The single season. That no, I was going to say, so you show. got what, six episodes yeah. left? Yeah, so I'm starting to already get those vibes. I'm just like, oh, God, it's going to end again. And <laughs> there's no more of it. That's We've talked about it before, but that's like top, tippity top of my list for a a revival limited run series. Netflix, give them the money. HBO, I don't care who does it. You could launch a streaming service with it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like if you told me, hey, they're, they're doing the Freaks and Geeks reunion on... Blippity bloop. Uh, yeah. Would you pay for Apple TV to, to see it again? I, I would resubscribe to Apple TV. Okay. Yeah. I had I had it going for like a month. I watched two things on it. 
uh, both movies. Uh, one which was totally okay, that was on the rocks, and one that was great, which was Wolf Walkers. Yeah. Anyways, can't sign off on that one. I didn't check out any of the series. I know people like Ted Lasso with your boy. Sudeikis, you don't even know? No. Because, again, because he's siloed off into a little a service that you don't pay for. So, nope. you, as far as you're concerned, he's not doing anything, right? Well, and that's that's been the case. Little did you people. know he has one of the most popular shows, the most popular show on Apple TV. Yeah. About a soccer coach, I think. He has a mustache. I know. Uh, People like it. I know Timberlake did put out a movie on Apple Palmer. TV. Yeah. Yeah. You going to subscribe for that? No, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. I'm hoping. See, that's the thing. Like, why? I feel like you could do a deal and like if people want to buy it or rent it on Amazon, it would like split it 50-50. It's just data. It's just ones and zeros. Yeah, I don't understand wink, why wink. you can't. Something I watched that I don't want to talk to you about really. Okay. Yeah. Hold on a second. I don't know. No, you're fine. Take your time. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we're working our way through Freaks and Geeks. So, yet another rewatch. But new, still watching WandaVision. I know you haven't watched any, so we can't talk about it. Waiting Whatever. Catching yeah. all that lasts. That's what it is. When it's done. How many more episodes so it's done? Uh, I think that, wait, this was five. I think four more. The hour or 30 minutes? Half hour or less. Okay. Some of them are like 20 or 22 minutes, like classic sitcom runtime. Hmm. There are ads built into the show. Spoiler alert. No, okay. Pretty cool. Anyways, enjoying it. Still really enjoying it. I haven't done this in a while. I started and kind of tapped out on a show. Uh, I I gave it three. I gave it the first arc. Mm-hmm. CB Strike. Yeah. Really wanted to check it out. It's got our boy Tom Burke in it. Yeah. Uh, didn't realize until I started watching it. This has nothing to do with why I stopped watching it, but it's based on... This is J.K. Rowling writing under a a man's name, I will point out, for a second time. Yet another male alias, yet she's a fucking turf. Um, (laughs) Makes a lot of sense. Makes a whole, whole lot of sense. What's a turf? Uh, A trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Learned something new today. Yeah. I know what a surf is. I remember that from history class. You know all the bullshit around her from the last year, I'm sure. She's very anti-trans, and her fans have a hard time reconciling that with, like, I thought these movies were, or these books, excuse me. <laughs> I thought these books were about, For me, you know, yeah. acceptance, ball, et cetera, all of this. And it's like, how can the person who wrote this, like, hold these beliefs? And she just, like, keeps doubling down on it. Uh, but, yeah, so trans-exclusionary radical feminists, from my very outside understanding and what brief reading I've done on it, is essentially they are feminist who refuse to acknowledge trans women as women because they uh, think that they detract from cisgendered females. Oh, okay. Um, so they suck, basically, right. is what I'm trying to say. Um, it's like saying if you're pro-life but you don't care about rehab programs for like, drug addicts. I got you. For instance, yeah, it's similar to that maybe. <laughs> uh, so... She, but she, you know, no apology whatsoever, just continues to double down and it's like, it's okay. Can you just shut the fuck up about it? Like, okay. If you, if that's genuinely how you feel, that's fine. Why do you need to state it in public? Keep that shit to yourself. Keep that horrible shit to yourself. Anyways. Yeah. That has nothing to do with why I stopped watching CB Strike. What did you say? Anyways, it's divided up into little mini arcs and their mystery. I guess she's written multiple books about this character. I think so. Corman Strike. And he's a war vet. His dad was a rock and roller. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a he's a private dick, basically, in England. 
honestly, the first case never really hooked me. I never got invested into like the mystery factor. And it's also, it's simultaneously like introducing you to the character and his world, etc. His new temp assistant who like eventually becomes his like, his Watson, if you will. Gotcha. Um, I didn't particularly dislike it, but it just didn't grab me. And like, usually I'll... I'll roll with something for a bit longer, and there's still, like, two or three more arcs, I think, and one of them is, like, actually about to finish currently. Uh, But, yeah, I may check back in with it, but I also was just like, you know what? I so rarely do this, but I'm just like, I'm just going to set this aside. I'm going to look for some other stuff. So that's a, a, you know, check it out. Maybe you enjoy it. Tom Burke's great in it. I wanted, honestly, I was surprised that, like, the connective tissue we talked about this a little bit with the little things actually but where i was like i where was the like the roll call of like that guy actors that you go to in building the mystery in the case and like getting background on the actual murders themselves um that stuff is there in this show i mean that's all it is is like investigation but i was kind of like i thought the supporting characters around him just never grabbed me now maybe there's like crazy guest stars in like the future seasons i don't know but, uh, yeah, so I tapped out on CB Strike, but uh, I was very happy that Chewing Gum, which is the first show that Michaela Cole of I May Destroy You fame did, which I believe is on Channel 4 in England, it is now on HBO Max. Okay. And on a whim, through, I mean, I was excited to watch it regardless, but I threw on the pilot with Veronica, she saw the description where everyone was, was down for it, and literally i will just encourage anybody if you have hbo max go check out episode one of chewing gum it is one of the funniest pilots i have ever seen in my entire life like wall-to-wall hilarity what's the premise of the whole show the premise uh michaela cole plays a young girl a young girl a young woman 24 named tracy who is a virgin uh who lives in an apartment complex with her mother and sister uh and yeah, she's just been raised in, like, an extremely religious household, and it's her, like, kind of finding herself, but she, like, has... She's incredibly ill-equipped for it, basically. Hmm. And, yeah, it's, like, if you... If anybody has watched I May Destroy You and has yet to watch this, tonally, completely different, but, like, the sheer creativity and the, the comedy factor, which is in I May Destroy You, is, like, on full display here. It's more out-and-out comedy, but does have some pathos baked into it, but just pound for pound, like... It, and it's only two seasons. We're about to finish the whole run of the show. And it's hmm. British style, so six episodes. Oh, okay. And that's it. And, yeah, the the amount of laughs packed into, like, 22 minutes is pretty astounding. I highly recommend at least checking out the first episode to anybody, even if I May Destroy You kind of, like, turns you off in terms of the description. But maybe this is your gateway because you'll fall in love with Michaela Cole and then you'll just be like, okay, I got to see what else did she do. But, yeah, she... Wrote, created the stars in it. Um, I don't know if she actually directed any of the episodes, but she also did the theme song and multiple songs for the show as well. Hmm. Just, yeah. Great stuff. Thoroughly enjoying it. Sad that it's about to be over. We have like two episodes left and we're both loving it. But, uh, yeah. That's Chewing Gum. And then uh, that that's it on the TV front. Give me some, give me some new, some new, new for your movies. Excuse me, rewatches for your movies. You want rewatches or you want brand new movies? No, new. We said new, and then we'll we'll build to the rewatches, which leads us to the retro. Because yeah, I only have, 
I actually have like two rewatches. Okay. Three rewatches. Well, what so are they? the shorter ones? I rewatched The Quick and the Dead. Nice. Um, I rewatched Hot Shots. Okay. And I rewatched G.I. Jane. You didn't go for part two. I didn't find, I couldn't find part two. Only saw part one. I feel one. like that's one of those where it's like, it's like with the Naked Gun movies where it's like, oh, we got one and we got three. Don't know what happened to two. Right. Oh, two's over here. And you got to pay Two's on IMDb TV. Yeah. Something like that. With ads. Right. Yeah. So brand new. Any, oh. excuse me, any thoughts like Quick and the Dead still holds up? Oh yeah, totally. Total cable classic. Yes. On TNT. Hot Shots is. Uh, it, like crazy when we were children. Right. I don't know why I didn't know sooner that that was a, a Sam, Sam Raimi joint. Based off I, of all the crazy camera movements, I should have picked up I on that as a child. I feel like we definitely saw Quick and the Dead oh, before yeah. we knew who Sam Raimi was right. or what Evil Dead was. That was right. probably like a, a few years prior. Right. And it may have even been just like a year prior. But yeah, definitely did not. Have you ever seen A Simple Plan? Mm-mm. All right. Is that a Coen Brothers movie? No, it's a Sam Raimi movie. That is the closest thing he's ever done to a Coen Brothers movie. Is that with um, Paxton and... Paxton, Billy Bob, Bob Thornton. Thornton. Have I've, you seen it? I've Yeah, a long time ago. And I guess I just maybe, assumed that was... Maybe a, we just found our, uh, our I just March assumed that was a retro Coen review Brothers pick movie for, for some for reason. Noah. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Maybe I'll throw it out there. Great movie if you haven't seen it. I feel like yeah, I have seen a it a long time, time ago, okay. thinking that it was a Coen Brothers joint. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I... I Quick and the Dead's on Prime right now, is that right? Where'd you watch it? Max. Oh, okay. I think. I think all these were Max's because I got done watching... You gotta be able to let the people know. It's either Max or Prime. I didn't pay for them. There's only a couple I paid for, and it was the one I paid for, and that was the one that we did for Retro Rewatches. Everything else out there is free. Okay. It might know what? It was Hulu. That's what it was. Hot Shots and Quick and the Dead are on Hulu. So is G.I. Jane. It's all Hulu. Okay. G.I. Jane I did not expect to watch. Like, I put it on, like, oh, it's G.I. Jane. Like, I haven't seen it in a while, just throw it I on. I didn't expect to watch it, yet I put it on. I put it on thinking, like, I'm going to get them to do laundry, okay. whatever. And I, I look up, and I I'm understand. like, oh, they're doing, oh, it's the fucking, like, she's bad. Like, they're about to take her out of here because of the whole scandal thing. Like, she just, the whole suck my dick scene just came up. Okay, well, I guess I'm in this. Because, I'm like, I'm just kind of there and i'm just like damn this is a good fucking movie man like it's like they don't make movies like that anymore <laughs> man i just remember vigo uh, being what, that's what i was about to say that's kind of like the coming out party for vigo right, right. yeah because he's like perfect murders around this time yeah and of course he he you know was working all through the like late 80s and 90s but yeah i feel you like this is where he first vigo like popped in? prior to to fellowship you or, forget vigo is the like i've uh, i've survived everything i've climbed all these mountains i'll get us out of this subway tunnel in daylight oh, yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. gets everything crashed on yeah you forget he's in that but um i never forget okay never forget it well i feel like carpathian or morgans <laughs> the scourge of carpathia <laughs> what was will be what it shall be no more <laughs> yeah um, the scourge of Mormondovia. <laughs> on a castle of blood, on a throne of pain, I said. Anyway. Um, Ghostbusters so, 2? Is that the retro review? Is that what we're doing? Okay, yeah. go ahead. All right, brand new. Brand, brand new. I watched a documentary called Operation Odessa on Netflix. Familiar with the title, but have no idea what this is about. Remind it is me. about this R- Russian enforcer for the Gambino crime family who moves to Miami and opens up a strip club called Porky's. 
and then is introduced to a wheeler and dealer facilitator guy by none other than Mr. Uh, Rob Van Winkle, uh, Vanilla Ice himself. This is a documentary? Yes. And these two guys decide that right as the Berlin Wall falls and the Soviet Union crashes, they're going to go to the Soviet Union and buy stuff, mainly helicopters and a submarine, for the Calais cartel. And they spend a ton of time telling you how, like, you'll never get the dude. This guy's been on the run from the from the FBI, a fugitive since, like, 97, 98. You'll never get him on camera. He shows up, and he's like a real-life Tony Montana. The dude's wild. The Odessa Files? Operation Odessa. Operation Odessa. That was the name of the operation to catch these dudes. Okay. They got everybody where's who's involved the, now. It's on Netflix. If you're looking for a cocaine cowboy's fix, okay, it, it doesn't have, like, that... Billy Corbin like Sheen, yeah. but it's good. I appreciate it. I, the the animations in it, the storytelling, the talking heads they get who lived it, and that's my favorite mm-hmm. thing about anything. It's people who like had these crazy lives doing this shit, and, and they are all just alive now, now like retired in Florida. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's just it's wild. I think you'd enjoy it. I will definitely check that one out. That's the kind of again we've talked about. I I've, I've been pretty much avoiding true crime docs Mm -hmm. in general but like that's the kind of like doc i can still get into Mm -hmm. weirdly perversely i suppose but yeah uh okay i will definitely check that one out yeah what else you got for me um i watched villains with uh baby sars guard bill bill okay um i cannot pronounce there's there's so many of them i know the girl from it follows like a Monroe, is right. that right? Yeah. And um, the guest? Yeah, and Burn Notice and Kira Sedgwick. <laughs> Burn Notice is the guy's name. It's Michael something. I don't know his name. His name is Michael in the show. I thought his, his name, name, Monroe, name is no. Jeff, no, Jeff something. Jeffrey? You got to get it? I don't know. I, I, I want to watch a squirm. Go ahead. I don't know. Jeffrey Jeffrey Donovan. Donovan, You're yes. There. Okay. You were very close. And I believe, was it Kira Sedgwick? I think so. Kevin Bacon's wife. Anyway, um... It's a couple on the run. They bring into a house and realize, oh shit, like we broke into the wrong house. There's a girl trapped. There's a girl tied up downstairs and her mom and dad are crazy. Um, so it's don't breathe meets the loved ones. But it's comedy. It's kind of funny. It's the whole thing. But loved ones is pretty darkly funny. But anyways, yeah. okay. No, I've uh, seen the poster for this one now that you mention it. Yeah. Worth checking out? Oh, I would. It was fun. Okay. I enjoyed it. All right. Watched um, Annabellum, finally. Oh, okay. It's on uh, Hulu for, for free now. For free? Yeah. Slipped right past me. Yeah. I'll check it out now. It's good. Okay. I, won't, I, I would recommend it. Just on her performance alone, but uh, supporting people? I'll check it out before we do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, before we get together next time. Um, let's see. The Juror. Do you remember this movie? Never seen it. Do you know what it's about? No. It's uh, it's. I remember the trailer was in front of like every fucking movie in the '90s somehow. I just it was wasn't. Paul Newman? No, no. Demi Moore. What am I thinking of? <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking of. Demi Moore is a single mom artist. She gets picked for jury duty for a mob boss, and Alec Baldwin is the teacher slash hitman that the mob hires to make sure that she convinces the court to say not guilty. Random little 90s gem, Gandolfini's in it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is her son. Okay. This is like maybe before Third Rock, maybe right as it started. Definitely after Angels in the Outfield. 
um, and Haitian. Post outfield, pre rock, <laughs> yes. as, as we all know. Yes. In the lineage of JGL. And Haitian's in it. And Haitian. Shows her rack. It was crazy. I was like, she did nudity before this? Like, wow, okay. Because the entire time in Six Days, Seven Nights, you're thinking, like, oh, her top's going to come off at some point. But this, even though it's a PG rate 13 movie, they're going to do scantily clad <laughs> stuff. But she's like, all balls to the wall. It's pretty crazy. Um, pretty fucking wild. Like I didn't, I forgot like how good when Alec Baldwin wants to be on point, Alec Baldwin and can dude, be on I point. I mean, in the nineties, he was kind of king shit for a bit until he's literally started just making trash yeah. for like the other half of the nineties. You probably, I would watch the trailer, my jog your memory, but I remember the whole thing of being like, they're driving in the car and he's telling her like what she's going to do. And they're coming up on Joseph Gordon-Levitt riding his bike and it, the trailer ends and you're like, Oh shit. You know, that's just what I remember. But I remember it being in front of like maybe like Mrs. Not Mrs. Doubtfire. It'd be in front of Dante's Peak, maybe a couple other movies. And it's mid 90s. That was a big DVD one for you, which okay. I did not own. So, right. Maybe that's but why. The juror was actually pretty the good. juror. I think it's, I like the client. It, I don't know about the juror. I think the jurors. Just, I think it's a great. It didn't say based on an. I didn't read in the credits based on the novel. It's like John knockoff Grisham. Grisham. I think it is a John it Grisham It might just novel. straight up be a Grisham. It might be. Who knows? Um, is Paul Newman in The Firm? The Firm, yes. Is with, that Paul Newman? I think so. With What is the Newman legal drama for? The, the Verdict. The Verdict. The Verdict. Not The Rainmaker, not The Firm, but The Verdict. Dude, what happened to the legal thrillers? You got Nick of Time. You got the Pelicanos brief. You got... <laughs> the George Pelicanos brief. Yes, the George Pelicanos brief. Yes. Yeah. Nick of Time with Johnny Depp. And... Uh, yeah, the firm, and then this one, the cl- dude. I, the client came on the other day on TV, and I was like, I could sit here and watch this entire. Classic, I could watch dude. this entire movie great, right now. Great Tommy Lee, Jen- great Susan Sarandon, dude. We got re- that's a Schumacher joint too, isn't it? Yes, that's a that's one of the good ones, dude. Yeah, cable classic. the The guy in that one, the curly hair dude, who he, he's just, he's an anarchy son, right? Sons of anarchy guy. I think so. He's the, the cur- one who like they see do. Does the deed and like he's he's got the curly hair, really intense eyes. I don't know. That's not Mark Boone. Je- no, no, not not, not Mark Boone Jr. He's in Sons. Okay, maybe he gets killed off early. I don't know. Oh my god, we gotta play this game now. Are you talking about like the guy in the limo, the one that the little boy see off himself? No, no. Okay, I'm gonna find him. Okay, you can find him. I'm gonna find him. You want me to move on to my next one? I suppose. Uh, my next one, Kim Coates, dude. Oh yeah, Kim Coates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Before I knew who Kim Coates. Me was. too. Still don't apparently. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Um, next one. I watched the Tax Collector. Oh yeah, because it's on Hulu now. Yeah. I meant that. I, I meant to piece alert of you. dog shit. Don't yeah. watch it. All right. Fucking All why? Right. <laughs> why did you make this movie? Like I don't understand, dude. You get and your boy, get is, your boy in check, dude. This is what you'll appreciate, my brother. I'm gonna fucking spoil this movie for you right now because I know you're not gonna watch it. As big and bad as they make Brother Shia out to be, like I got this, I got that, I got this, I'm doing this. This motherfucker doesn't kill. He kills one dude, gets captured, tortured, and dies. That's it. <laughs> you'll appreciate it just for that. I think it's probably why he amped up the performance, knowing that like, oh, this dude's gonna look like a bitch because they make him out to be. His name is Creeper. They make him out to be this wild fucking animal. 
And they show you all these scenes where he's like dragging dead bodies in front of dudes in suits. Like I'm proving my, I'm putting in work. I'm getting my bones done. He doesn't do shit in this movie, but talk a big game with a weird fucking East LA accent, get shoot a couple guys when they get hit one time. And it's, it's all about the main dude. Now I like the main dude. I would like to see him in another movie, but this was a piece of garbage, man. Like I'm glad I didn't pay money for this. Fuck right. you, David Ayer. I don't, I don't like you anymore. Okay. I'm done with you. David Ayer, we really don't appreciate you popping off. We're yeah, we don't appreciate you popping you. off. We got family around, okay? Okay, bro, we don't like it. Don't pop off. All right, I was not planning on checking it out. I almost sent you an alert to let you know it was available on Hulu, but I was like, it'll find it. It'll find it. It'll find it. <laughs> There's no beacon. Gavin, Gavin, up in the Gavin's like, garbage crime. <laughs> garbage crime. <laughs> okay. All right, so you can pick which one of these two we are going to talk about next. But I watched Possessor, obviously. I told you. And I watched a glitch in the Matrix. Possessor, I will tell you, is everything that you said it was going to be. I've put anybody I can talk to about it on it. Everyone else has been like, this was great. I've told mom about it, told Bex about it. I've put it out there for everybody to see. So glad that it's on Hulu now. Because I feel like, again, Hulu killing it with the indies. They're always good about getting yes. the like the neons and the A24s into their rotation early, which I like. And usually they stay there. So yeah, big ad for Possessor, Brandon Cohen. Cody I basically Burks told Possessor. Mom, I was like, you you liked Eastern Promises, right? And she was like, yeah. I was like, you know how gritty. his son. I was like, you know how gritty that shit was, right? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, this is that dude's kid, and the shit is on 12. <laughs> She's like, I'll put on the list. Okay. Like, okay, good. Well, obviously, we just did a PSA to tell people again, and now it's now available to watch for free if you didn't check it out, even though it was on my, my top 10 end of last year. And I think we talked about it prior to that as well. <clears throat> Yeah. So without spoilers, what'd you think of Andrea Riceboro? Oh my God. They, I mean, I feel like she's a, a patron saint of the RKV at this point. After yes. Mandy, after 000, and uh, with this, and now I'm just like, dude, I just need to like make the rounds and make sure I've seen everything that she's Me done. Me too. I would do a deep dive on that girl's career in a heartbeat, man. And Christopher Abbott, another, another favorite generationally what else did i see him in you've seen him in it comes at night for sure that's what okay i was like what movie i kept Um, thinking on the top of my head you did watch tyrell eventually didn't you tyrell what's that no um is that a netflix one (coughs) excuse me no uh indie movie with uh the uh i guess still disgraced uh jason mitchell from straight out of compton and a few other things uh, who else was in there? Michael Sarah, a couple. There's one black guy on uh, like a weekend retreat with a bunch of white boys. Um, I think there were, it was like a bachelor party weekend sort of thing or something like that. Do you not remember this at all? I told you to watch it. It's like borderline horror movie, but like, okay. When you said Tyrell, the first thing I thought was like, are we going to get the backstory from the guy from Blade Runner? No, how he's how he like built his Android empire. Is that what we're doing? Unfortunately not. Oh, no. well, that would have been a better movie, I guess. Okay. Um, I did recommend it to you. I couldn't remember if you ever checked it out. I forget how I got off on this tangent, but Christopher Abbott's in that as well. Okay. He's been in a bunch of things recently. Yeah, I'm so just no, I feel like I've, a lot I of people know him was... from Girls. That's kind okay. of like where he started on HBO, but he's basically been like an indie darling for like the past five or six years, yeah. basically ever since he was not and on Girls. Anymore. I did not realize that. Ex-husband old boy was fucking um, Kiefer Sutherland's brother. What? Wait, what? Her husband. 
is Kiefer Sutherland. Who's, what are we? In the movie, Andrea Rice Burroughs' husband. Excuse me, yes. Okay. Is, is Kiefer Sutherland's brother, makes him a son of Donald, I think. Did not know this either. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, I kept thinking he was somebody different. And I looked it up and it was like, something, something Sunderland, Sutherland. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And I went and looked at him and was like, oh, it, he's Kiefer's brother. He's the son of Donald and this other one. All right, all right, cool. I thought he was, I liked him too. I hate what happened to him, but you know, watch Jumping it and Jason figure it out. Lee, oh yeah. Sean Bean. Everybody was great. And the, Visuals, the thing is, the thing is, is what, like ahead, sorry. the conceit. And this is the thing I appreciate about anything. When you tell me the premise of this movie, you don't tell me how it happens. You, you telling me this. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so what? Like she jumps into people's bodies. How the fuck? But establishing everything Anything that I see from then on, I'm in 100% because it's based in something that spells out exactly what it is, tells me exactly how it's going to take place. So therefore, anything I see as a result of that, it only makes it 10 times better and just to me just plays a thousand percent better because it's all while it's kind of batshit crazy and the science behind it, you know, arguably we aren't there yet. I hope we don't ever get there. But like... For what it is, it's pretty well rooted. I think that's the main theme I've been thinking about with anything with science fiction lately is if you can get me to understand your basic premise just by giving me a little bit of information up front, I will be with you and stay with you wherever your story goes. But if you give it to me, have don't have it's like McConaughey's dad says, don't half ass it. <laughs> Yes, I've been reading Greenlight. I need to get it on audiobook. They tell me that him narrating it is ten times better telling the stories. So that's a plug well, for Greenlight. That's just a big fuck you to my Christmas gift. So you know, whatever. I've been reading the book though. Hey, I read it. I'm reading but it. I gotta get the audio. Okay. I mean, I don't blame you. Yeah, it's probably a really good one. Okay. Glad you liked Possessor. What was the other one? A glitch in the matrix. Oh, excuse me. Yes, uh, which I also watched. That's on my my new list. This is the latest from Rodney Asher. Uh, Director of Room 237 and The, the Nightmare. Nightmare. <laughs> Gavin's <No>. Nightmare. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, the director of Gavin's Nightmare. Seriously, it Ryan wasn't even Ash. that. It was the fact that I watched The Nightmare, and I'm just casually bringing it up to mom. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, that's happened to me, too. I've been sitting in my little nook, and it's in the middle of the day, and I just kind of look up, and there's there's some kind of shadow thing in the doorway to the kitchen. I'm like, stop fucking talking right now, mom. This is creeping me out. <laughs> And so that's the nerve I was on when I started it. And I don't know what to think, Noah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I kept trying to find one underlying thread in every person that they spoke to. And I couldn't. Some of them I wanted to discount as, oh, well, you were like an only child or you were like adopted. That's why you feel this way. I was trying to find some rational thing to like anchor in to just possibly hopefully try and prove these people wrong delve into some kind of psychological thing but by t- tying it all back to philip k dick and his the reading he did in france back in the day it's really hard to find flaws in their logic because it is something that is inevitably you like he says by basis alone it cannot be proven and if to do you know what i'm talking about may not actually be a thing but let's just assume for now that it is and just go with me and see where it is. So it makes a logical argument that the shit these people are saying could be true. But you also get to look at this like, these fucking people are crazy. And it 
and it gives you that outlet as well with the story of the guy that you're hearing on, obviously on a, on a, I'm assuming what is a prison phone mm-hmm. recording line. Um, yeah, we don't have to spoil. Yeah, that. but that shit is. That's wild, one of dude. those. I always have these moments in docs where it's like they start building up something. I'm like, this feels vaguely familiar, and then like the payoff happens, and I'm like, I remember this shit, mm-hmm. but you disguised it from me mm-hmm. for so long in the doc. Like it's like a huge payoff, and it's like, oh, I already knew that. But yeah. um, why well, I never heard I, anything about it? Oh, I remember I, that. I, case. I don't remember that case yeah. at all. Oh no, I definitely. I, how was that not a uh, sword and scale or something? I, I feel like that should have been. If it was one, see, they try, yeah. but they also he. We they try not to highlight stuff like that infamous. Right. Let's not. They they try to give credence to. Let's smaller, not spoil too case. much of that because again, this is newly out. It just played at Sundance, but they put it up on Prime almost immediately. It is a seven dollar rental in HD, but. We both highly vouch for it. It's definitely worth checking out. It is about simulation theory. Yes, I don't sorry. think we said that out loud at the top. Um, or rather, it is about people who deeply believe that simulation theory is real. And this goes to your point, like you said, of like warring with yourself over like whether you wanted to buy into this or you know dismiss these people as crazy. I think that's the brilliance of like how he just constructs movies in general. Room 237, there's nobody that comes in and is like, Okay, but this is what Stanley Kubrick actually meant. Like, we know for a fact these are his stated, like, intentions with the movie. He's just like, no. It's more interesting, these people that have, like, in this... It's a similar vein that runs through all of it. In the same way that there's these people in the nightmare who experience things that they can't necessarily explain. On, related on to, every single continent. Yes. Related to sleep, etc. That locked-in syndrome... All the things related to it. Is it UFOs? Is it, you know... Shared consciousness. Exactly. All of that stuff. And it never... It never comes in and it, like, dismisses any of that. It just explores it. But it's it's all people trying to basically make a rational explanation or build a narrative around this thing that's happening to them. In the same way that The Shining freaks so many fucking people out and because there are so many ambiguous elements to it... Right. There's people who, like, can't deal with that they can't right. deal with the ambiguity so they have to assign meaning to right. all of it you know and i this doc more than anything we've watched recently veronica watched this with me we stopped it almost every 10 minutes because it provoked conversation between us and like debating the movie actively and everything and kind of what i overall like because she just looks at it as like it's it's another explanation. It's no different than like religion, which I love that the movie gets into as well. Yeah, where no, it's like, that it's a way for people to contextualize the world. And really, I feel like simulation theory in particular, and it's tied into Philip K. Dick and the speech you're talking about. It's kids who were like raised on sci-fi in a lot of cases and raised on like popular culture that don't necessarily have a tie to religion. They have an instinct towards science. And this is a like you know, a way that kind of like fills that gap for like, I don't really I, I'm not comfortable with like spirituality, but I am comfortable with like science fiction concepts, etc. or whatever. So it's like, I think that's the common thread. And all of these guys are are guys, also. Well, there's a female voice that I I I, I really who love is, her. Who is? The only rational person who's talking about the the other side of this, which you very rarely get. I was actually surprised to get that. And to honestly, 
see the faces of some of the people who were talking on camera because usually and i think that's a byproduct of it i think some of this was like put together during covid i believe so and during quarantine so i think that's why you do have him going into like zoom calls with some stuff where it's like this is the actual person and i felt like you know they they actually do show the one guy who wrote like the big scientific i appreciate and 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 his his explanation of the three different variables of like assuming this is a thing this is another thing if you exclude both of those to where like essentially society doesn't get to a point where they can create this technology and that's done well then they do but they don't use it for anything or whatever and then the third one being let's assume that they've gotten it and they've done it right and there's all these machines running to the point that like we have no idea and you could essentially I mean, the guy who had the the analogy of like, what well, you know, this could all end and I could just wake up in an arcade and, and somewhere else and I just put another quarter in and I go back. It, like right. that inevitably, unlike the nightmare, I did leave on a level of hope because it was something that it was like most of these people who were talking about this and they firmly believe it. They're not in your face like a zealot on the street with a pamphlet about the end of times. Right. But they're also comfortable and they can basically say, you know what, it doesn't re- end of the day, I may be wrong, it doesn't matter. We don't really know what happens when we're gone, but I like to think that maybe I'll just wake up somewhere else, or maybe I'll do this and that. And it did have like a little hopeful note that it was like, hey, if you are somewhat disenfranchised by major religion, if you did grow up in this certain sphere, and it's not just regular people, there's a dude that does like special education with kids. And there's mm-hmm. a guy that has like triple engineering backgrounds and masters. So it's all facets of which I appreciated with the nightmare of as well, talking to different people from different walks of life. I got that here. And again, I tried to be like, well, these are just a bunch of dudes with no brothers and sisters, but they're then very the, isolated. Right. But then the one group. guy was like, they're well, not interacting with people in public and getting, you know, so they start the, the thing that I butted up against with a lot of the, the readings of the concept, it's, it, kind of the inherent thing that's tied to the matrix specifically which is where all of this comes from but the idea that all of a sudden you're like well well i'm in the know i'm aware all these other people around me are sheep or are automatons or right. you know and the the ego involved with that i think is what i brush up against me the most with where it's just like it allows so much discounting of like human and i and i'm having these thoughts as we start to get the first threads of the one of the most disturbing arcs in this entire movie, which I will not spoil here. No, uh, the dark path it can that, take that shows the the dark side and the ultimate consequences of if you take this too far, right? As well, I think it's brilliantly done. It was it's one of the most entertaining and engaging docs I've seen in a while. I love everything he's done. This I might like this more than two thirty seven. You know, I'm like addicted a, to The yeah. Shining. But also it's one of those where it's like, I watch that movie and enjoy it, but I'm also like, I'll fucking buy any of this shit. Right. There's like, there's some great threads and some stuff where it's like, I love to go down this rabbit hole with you. And the, the editing in that doc specifically is as dreamy as the shining itself. Um, but as a standalone, like, and the way he incorporates pop culture and like music and like movie footage into his and again, I don't even feel like they're arguments because I feel I like I'm like by the 
by the end of watching this, I'm like, I don't even think Rodney Asher like believes in simulation theory. I think he's just fascinated by people who do. Right. He's fascinated by anybody who like kind of contextualizes their life honestly through some lens of popular culture because even a, lot, a huge portion of the nightmare stuff is tied to imagery that people have reinforced in movies, science fiction, etc. Well, when they argued and they came in and they said that, well, I mean, we've had simulation theory since the Bible. Think about it. He says, Jesus says like, you know, I am not the way you're, you, you know, the, the kingdom is through you. You're this. And they interpret that as like, oh, well, we're just a cog in this, but like, it's all through us. We're the conduit. Like, I feel like he basically gave you a giant smorgasbord of these are the basic tenets. These are where people got to this from. Right. There are people who got to this through hard science. There are people who got to this through Philip K. Dick. And there's people who got through this through the matrix. And this is where we're at now. But at the same time, like the guy who, like the guy said, like, oh, I remember my brothers and sisters weren't here. So he had a family. And like, you can tell, okay, it wasn't that an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. They all end on this note of regardless of what's going to happen, I'm okay with it. And who knows what it could be. And I'm not going to be, they don't shit on anybody who doesn't think that way. They don't. Shout it from the rooftops that they are this way because a lot of them appear with animations over them. They didn't appear as just normal people for whatever reason on these calls, which makes sense. It kind of does play into the whole simulation thing. But at the end of the day, when they're like, well, this could be it. What if this wakes everybody up? What if this is like what causes people to like, and eventually that doesn't happen. I'm like, well, I'm at least glad you threw it in there that that's an outcome or a possibility that by knowing about this, we could find the crack in the code. However, it did inspire me. I I saw it earlier. I didn't realize that this kid was the one in it. But on Hulu, there is a, docu- a movie called The Mandela Effect. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw this. With the kid from Father's Day. And it's all about misremembering different timelines, all that. It, it incorporates all of the known ones. Because I swear to God, no, it was the Bernstein Bears when we were children. Not the Bernstein Stand Bears with an A. It was I-E. I swear to God, that's what it was. But also, like, I know Nelson Mandela didn't die in prison. But it's the same thing with, like, people think that Sinbad was in a genie movie in the 90s. Have and you he watched, wasn't. Sorry. Have you watched um, How To with John Wilson yet on no. HBO Max? Uh-uh. There's a great Mandela Effect episode you should watch. Okay, good. I'll have to check that out. Okay. But, yeah, highly recommend A Glitch in the Matrix. I I think it would be one. To, I'm, I want other people to go watch it and have, like, a conversation about it in yeah. depth. Without any kind of, and I mean, again, anchoring it all to Philip K. Dick and him telling you, like, I, people have, like, dreams of another life. I have dreams and, like, memories of a waking, distant present. Like, I remember things being different. Mm-hmm. Just by letting that into the consciousness with people. And again, it was in France in the 70s. So who got to see it? I don't know. But just by virtue of that and stating up front, there's no way to prove this. If I could, I would, but there's no way for me to prove this. What I'm talking about could be complete bad shit. You meet me at that out front, I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. And I appreciate that that was the basically the anchor. Even if he didn't actually say that in his speech, even if really that was just something we all f- falsely remember that really didn't happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. but Or even if he didn't and they just added that in there somehow, you know. I appreciate that that at least with that being the anchor to me, because I feel like that speech was the anchor. 
starting there and giving you the whole thing of this could all be bullshit, but hear me out. That to me was enough for anybody. It should be enough for anybody to get through the end of it. So for sure. Yeah. And I think that is all of my, uh, okay. I, I have some, but we're like 45 minutes deep. We fell in a simulation theory hole. Uh, so I think maybe we should just jump to it. Yeah. We got to get ourselves together. We got stuck in a moment. (laughs) Can't get out of Uh, I do have some more though. Okay. And some of them it. are reasonably relevant. Did you watch Malcolm and Marie on Netflix? I wanted to. I didn't get a chance to well, get to it yet. We'll mark that one for me. We'll talk about it afterwards. Um, I liked it. Did not love it. Definitely mm. think it's worth checking out. I think it's also one of those that honestly, the like the critical reception and reaction to it is almost more interesting than the movie itself. Hmm. So at a very base level, I just I, you need to watch it so we can talk about it. Okay. And it'll be one of those cases where you're like, I heard nothing about any of this controversy. I loved it. Um, and I'm going to like, I'll give you the, the other side basically because it's currently getting like eviscerated by critics for the most part. Netflix acquired this movie for $30 million, by the way. It was shot during quarantine. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I would like for you to watch it so we can talk about it. Again, I think it is worth watching. I ha- I have some issues with it. Do you know why I, I was planning on watching it? John David Washington. Kid Cudi's a producer. I, I didn't know that. It's the only reason I found out about this movie. Didn't notice his... Oh, okay. He was posting it's about... It's all, all I've been hearing about in the film world for like the last two months. He's just been... He was posting about <laughs> how like, awesome it was. It's coming out. Is it going to get awards consideration? We don't know. And then it came out and critics were like, fuck you, basically. Uh I would love to talk about it. Speaking of critics, did you watch the halftime show? Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk with you about... Dude, shit. I'm almost like, did we need to do two-by-two already? Like, do we... I feel like we have enough for a full episode. And maybe we... Maybe we come back for Judas and the Black Messiah. And we save old Sorcerer Shakedown. I don't know. Well, I thought we were going to pair judas and the black messiah with like love story stuff for no uh, i'm not saying we do it in the same episode i'm just saying like we still get our two by two in for february but like i don't know i mean we're gonna record it now right it's i don't know it's 11 o'clock i don't know how much you have to say about shakedown we'll Eh, see we'll see it's not a lot but i like it i would like you to watch malcolm and marie okay uh, so we can talk about it and, we can uh, talk about the halftime show in a little bit. It's fine. No, I let's do it by all means okay. for posterity's sake. Because otherwise, you know, we won't remember to do it next time. And I did want to ask you about it. Yeah. What did you think? Oh. I watched literally 15 minutes of the game prior to halftime. I watched the halftime show and I was out. Right. Um. Go ahead. Oh no, I um, say your piece. Speak I, your truth. I loved it. I you can ask mom. I got so excited when he went back to um. House, House of Balloons. Balloons. I was yeah. just like, oh, this is bad shit. Because I was like, how how old are you going to go? Like, are you going to go? Oh, I seriously, like, on, and I was surprised at the amount of songs that he fit right. into his medley, honestly. Me too. And there were, I, there was honestly only one or two where I was like, I wasn't expecting to hear this at the Super Bowl. Earned it. Uh, no, I mean, I honestly, dude, that's one of his, that's like that, and I can't feel my face, I feel like is like the first when he made the first joke. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then, you know. Starboy. Yeah, Starboy. It's just been incremental since then. And then I. Well, they started with Call Out My Name. And I was like, no one has listened to that EP 
but yet you put it on here. Love it. And then they went House of Balloons, and I was like, no one knows what this is. To the point that I listened to Trilogy all day today at work. If you, uh, honestly, if you go look at his Spotify right now, what you're seeing is basically the set list uh-huh. start to tick back up into it, which all of his stuff was after hours. Right. And now you're seeing all of the older stuff tick back up in there because it's like people are like, oh, I don't know this one. I haven't heard this one yet. And I'm like, it is fascinating to me that like in my brain, he's been big for like several years now. Right. But it really wasn't until this past year when I kind of slept on after hours and it was like, oh, that was like the biggest album of 2020. And it's because that was like the last big radio hit like that anybody remembers. Right. Before people stopped listening to the radio because they weren't driving anywhere. Right. But it also after hours is the the completion of if you look at trilogy as a thing, Kissland as a thing, after hours is the third end of that narrator, that character. Uh-huh. You have to look at Beauty Behind the Madness as its own its own entity that's completely devoid of anything related to Kissland or House of Blooms, the trilogy albums, whatever you want to call them. And then Starboy is just a fucking concept album where he was like Daft Punk were like, We want to work with you. And he's like, Yes. He shaved all his hair off, became a completely different person. And he was just Starboy on that album, as far as I'm concerned. That's right. not the weekend. That that album is just Starboy, right. and I love that they got. Um, I feel it coming with with that because that is like that is my number one off of the Starboy album. Like I know people like. I mean, Six Feet Under is really dope, but I okay. feel it coming with that. With I'm glad that that got thrown on there as well. I thought the stagecraft, the choreography, all of that stuff was excellent and brilliant. I heard a lot of complaints, which I've just why anybody would ever want to do the Super Bowl, I have no idea. Because, like, there's only... The only downside is, like, uh, probably about 60% of people are going to be like, hated it, sucked, bullshit, get this off my TV. Regardless of if you're Bruce Springsteen... (laughs) Aerosmith. Or fucking Paul McCartney, you know? (laughs) Exactly. So, but I heard a lot of, like, oh, you didn't have any special guests and, like, all this different stuff. I'm like, it's fucking COVID, dog. Like... Everybody he was dancing with literally had masks on their yeah. faces. And what a wonderful coincidence that it happened to like work perfectly with all the imagery from the album. Right. But uh, I, th- I thought it was great. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I put it right up there with any of the great recent ones. I, I was... know some people were down on it, but I was like, I get it if you're like not crazy about him. But I'm like, if you like him even a little bit. And are familiar with like the body of work. I was sitting there, I was like, dude, I did not. I honestly thought he'll come out and he'll do three songs off the new album, and then he'll do "I Can't Feel My Face" and like maybe, maybe earned it. Mm-hmm. But I, I did not expect this. You weren't expecting the hills. You weren't expecting. So again, Star that's Boy, what I thought was crazy. On this massive stage and scale and everything, it's still like, well, I'm still kind of doing this for like the people who have been aware that I. I probably should have played the Super Bowl like five years ago, conceivably. Like, that would not have been a crazy thing no. to be like, yeah, he's doing the Super Bowl. But yet, still, people were fucking freaked out about it. Anyways, I didn't watch the rest of the game. Uh, I did watch Tom Brady drunk the following day. I've watched all of those videos today. But, uh, I mean, good on him, I guess. Hey, man. That Another is, one in the you box. Probably, you probably haven't heard this. Maybe you have. That is the first. It took him 55 games. It's the first time in 55 Super Bowls that there was an actual home team. No one has ever played a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that factor. And Tampa, as we know, 
is the home of strip clubs. And if we know anything about The weekend, he can make you love strippers and hate them all in the same song. So that is what you call serendipity. Okay? Okay. Perfect note. You have that guy anchor the Super Bowl. You have Tom Brady get his seventh So ring. the fix was in, is what you're saying. Yeah. My money's on Abel. Weekend, there you go. weekend gate 2021. Yeah. Listen, I, do, I don't know. Deflate gate, that's a thing. He's right? got a tour coming out. I think the closest he's getting in is, is Atlanta. I don't know how much tickets are. I don't want to see him live because I don't want to ruin it. But I also know if I saw him live, I would just be like, this dude can do no fucking wrong. Yeah. I love that he went back to the old school stuff. I love that he got the chance to do it. Fuck the Grammys. Let's talk about Shakedown. 100%. Shakedown, 1988. Let's listen to the trailer. One thing I promise not to do in this courtroom is to pretend to you that I am representing Snow White for a client. An overworked lawyer. Once upon a time, all I plan to do is play the tennis sax forever. An undercover cop. This gun is clean. No serial numbers. <laughs> They're up against a city where the bad guys have taken over. My client will make bail. And the good guys are the worst of all. You cops, you're the best that money can buy. Fifty K a month in evidence disappears. Plan on taking down an army? I don't know yet. Hang on tight, partner. Oh, I see. The ride gets rougher than this. You betcha. The way I like it. You better watch out. I can roll with anything you put out, buddy. <laughs> Who are you looking for? Can you handle this, or is this too real for you? Peter Weller. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone, babe. Sam Elliott. Oh, I know what you're thinking. I'm old and slow. Shake down. Whatever you do, don't call the cops. Right. Shake down 1988. Peter Weller sure is looking great. <laughs> I've been working on it. Sam E never knew the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Hung out with the freaks and ghouls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What'd you think of Shakedown? I had a good time. Good. Good time with this one. Uh we mentioned it off mic. My biggest complaint. Streaming, this movie's like 20 minutes shorter than its supposed runtime on IMDb. Right. Go down the rabbit hole, find out. There's The foreign version is called Blue Gene Cop, maybe better title. I don't know. Yeah. It's the name of the production company. They were really going in hard for this Blue Gene Cop concept. Which makes me wonder, like, when did Blue Jeans become a thing? Were they, like, just designer in the 80s and, like, only rich people wore them? And then, like, in Dude, the I 90s, mean, Wrangler came along? I mean, I kind of feel... Yeah, it wasn't, 80s was like the first time you really started seeing like jean commercials. Like right. they're not just for cowboys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
they're not just for the flyover states. Yeah. They're for you too, New York and California. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Okay. Shakedown, 1988. Peter Weller, Sam Elliott. This is a James Glicken house yes. feature. He's got some other interesting ones that might be uh, two by two retro review candidates. Especially the 1995 vehicle with Mr. Pamarita. Um, I would like to possibly discuss the Christopher Walken vehicle, McBain. Yes. Is this is does this predate the Simpsons joke? Uh maybe. I don't know. It's. I mean, it's what ninety one. I think. Yeah, I mean, The yeah. Simpsons have been on forever. But I don't I think they... McBain became a character until, no. like, after 95-ish. I don't know. McBain in 91. Anyways, yeah, okay. James Glickenhouse, who's given us uh, Soldier and The Exterminator, both of which are featured on a marquee in this movie. Uh, anyways, this movie, Peter Weller, he's a lawyer. Yeah. He's about to... Basically, be become like a corporate stooge. Pretty start much, working yeah, he's for, call it quits for the man, uh, for his girlfriend's dad. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a fiance. He's uh, yeah, on on track to you know just have it made, made in the shade. Yeah, but uh, he's got one one last case he's got to deal with. Said case involves the the shooting of a police. The, excuse me, the killing, the killing of a police officer at the hands of a crack dealer. Yes. Until the movie opens, correct? Right. After the credit sequence. Yes. And uh, the Peter Weller's brought in to defend the guy because he, he's a public defender. That's just what he does. Yes. He's, excuse me, he's a public defender. That's yeah. what I meant to say. And he's about to basically be like, you know, I'm not, do, not who cares about the, you know, collective communal good. I'm going to go work for some rich, rich assholes, basically. Because yeah. that's where the money is. Okay. The, the incident in question, though. This is your pick, dude. I mean, yeah, lay, no, out the, yeah. lay out the plot okay, time, so by the, all means. The, the incident in question is that, a, like you said, a crack dealer guns down an, underco- uh, an undercover police officer. And it gives way into this... But um, was he actually undercover? Right. Because or was he just acting as on a his dirty own cop? A blue jean, jean cop. cop. Yes. <clears throat> and so, essentially, in order to help him... Maybe crack this case, maybe blow like blow this whole thing wide open. He has to get the help of his favorite UC favorite cop, and Sam Elliott. Yes, see, this is this I did not see coming basically, because normally you think we're on track for like a buddy cop sort of thing, but it's mm-hmm. like they already know each other. Mm-hmm. This is not like a. They're not butting heads. This is more like a well, Tango and Cash butted heads. I was about to say yeah. this is more like a Tango and Cash, but no. The whole point was that they butted heads, and then yeah. right, um, yeah. This that's one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it because that yeah, it's almost. I, I won't I won't go so far as to call it like a deconstruction of the buddy cop genre or anything like that, but it definitely in the wake of a lot of those, this does set itself apart by it's like. I like that they're old buddies. They like they have a history together, right. and we're just kind of catching up to it. But, like, yeah, you get that initial scene, the bathroom scene where he goes in and they're just shooting the shit. And, like, instantly I'm like, do these guys do have great chemistry? Oh, yeah. I never would have thought, like, Peter Weller and Sam Elliott. Like, I, I don't know in the cast. I, I didn't do trivia on this one, but I'm like, were these the were these your first choices? Were these your first choices? For- I didn't see anything where they said they weren't. I mean, they're both fantastic actors, but just 
the pairing, you know, when you feel like you used to hear about like, oh yeah, they had a chemistry read and like it just wasn't working. So like they had to swap out some other guy. Yeah. They got Michael um, J. Fox instead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, that's another episode maybe down the road, but the hard way is the, oh, the great, like it's way down the line. We've seen a lot of buddy cop movies by that point. They maybe gotten a little right. stale, but it's a because nice, Lethal nice Weapon is eighty seven, right? I think so. Right. So this, and they did talk about bringing somebody in who worked on that to try and punch up some of the funny stuff. But again, eighty eight, I feel like that's the natural progression. If you just had a big movie where it's like one's crazy and one's old and trying to get out of the game, just have them already know each other and well, go from this there. One's a lawyer and this one's a cop. Right. Exactly. It's not even a cop. Yeah, they're not even both cops. That makes complete sense. Yes. But so, uh, but yeah, dirty cops are essentially the, the main concern. Right. Again, I told you last time the tagline of this movie is whatever you do, don't call the cops, Right. you know, and it's essentially, I don't, I don't know, man. I feel like the, the dirty copness of it all, it may be just a tad bit dated because I feel like I'm not saying all corruption was gone by the 80s, but like I feel like that was a 70s Frank Lucas kind of thing. I don't really feel, at least in New York, maybe. I mean, there's I mean, always, there's they, always, you know, it's just a badge separating people's bullshit. I get it, but at the same time, like this from the from the get go, I one of my earliest notes is like I got to keep on keep an eye on this racially charged depiction of the crack era in right. New York City, like. How are we going to walk the line here? Like, right. How is this going? And I, I was immediately, I was like, okay, well, I like the setup that like, they even have in the opening scene when the cops swarm in mm-hmm. and they're even like, don't worry about him trying to help this guy. And he's like, he's dead. Like, let me help this guy who's just been shot and injured. The, the crack dealer. Right. And like from the get go, you have that racial tension because it's a, it's a black he, paramedic. Yeah, it's a black paramedic. And you have all these cops who are like, no, let him die, essentially. And it's like, no, I'm still going to help this guy or whatever. So immediately I was like, okay, maybe even in 88, they're going to be able, maybe they're doing something here. But it never quite, you know, there's no real follow through or like statement on any of this. And the, the heights of like, crack was crazy that they get yeah. to with like, um, What's his name's character? Oh gosh, why don't I have the cast list up? I don't know why this is my job. This is your pick. Yeah. Um, are you talking about the guy that goes batshit crazy? The assassin dude, the henchman guy? Or are you talking about the actual like high roller? Because if you if you remember, he talks about like the people I'm talking he... about Antonio Fargus's character. That's the the main man, essentially. Yes. Yeah. He talks Nikki, about like, Nikki NC, yeah. yeah, which is a stand-in for Nikki. What's his face? It's got to be. I yeah. put this. I looked at this as like, oh, okay, Sam Elliott as Richie, um, whatever. It's a Richie Roberts stand-in. Yes, you know. And then Nikki, whatever is Nikki Barnes. I just looked at it as that, just with it like you know, it's like ten years removed, but, so to like speak. The scene they have with the the white girl in the exclusive club, right? Um quick cameo by Vondi Curtis Hall as the doorman who I was like, Oh, Vondi Curtis Hall's in this movie. Oh, for just two seconds. seconds. Okay, Okay. cool. Um, but yeah, Antonio Vargas, what do I know him from? Foxy Brown. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to get you sucker shaft. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Black exploitation icon. I was like, I know that face. I've seen that face before. Uh, 
he's in cahoots with the police. Right. Who was the lead bad cop? He, like, looked like I should know him from something, but I could not. not I think it's the the other. Is it the other Tom Waits? Patrick Thomas G. Waits? No, because that's Windows from The Thing. That was Windows from The Thing. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Oh, who is the bad guy here? I got it because they don't, they always show the faces of them now on Google. Let me go into the cast here on Shakedown. This is is great podcast. This is great. Okay. Great. You got John C. McGinley in there. You got Peter Weller's buddy. You got Richard Brooks, The Crow, Anticipation. Okay. Yeah. The Hidden. Let's move it along. In a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, he's it's Officer Kelly. He's he's quoted as that's the main bad guy, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Windows from the thing. No, it's not. He's one of the Oh my god. You've watched it twice. I've been through it once and I that's the I I enjoyed this movie, but I'll be completely honest with you, brother. It was in my brain and out of it within like the next day. This one did not stick. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't stick around. Disposable, right? But let's talk about things that I did like in it. Yeah, and I will highlight a few things that I did want to ask you about. So after their initial meeting scene in the bathroom, like I said, these guys have got good chemistry. At at a later point, they're talking at a bar, and it's the like Peter Weller decides I'm going to take this case. I'm going to defend this guy. I'm going to like take this one seriously. It's my last case. I got to get him off. We got to like, you know. But he's also got to look into. He's, you got to look into these cops. What details can you give me? Help me out, etc. But he, and he's also grappling with the fact that like he's kind of rekindled an old flame with his yes, ex. The new DA. The new DA is a former girlfriend, and right. of course, he again he's engaged. He's about to be married. So the tension, like, do I want to go back to my old life? Do I, you know, right? All this different stuff. <sighs> One of the. Mo- like this is the reason to watch this movie as far as I'm concerned is one scene how many cop movies have we had like the tragic backstory (laughs) yeah right right and Sam Elliott's telling this like kind of long yarn about the only woman he's ever loved and he intros it with but then I killed her you know then I killed her dog and it was over and I was like Wait, what? And then he goes on to tell the story about meeting the love Shakespeare life. in the park. Shakespeare in the park. I had, park. I had, her, I had an park. umbrella. We went back to her place. We go upstairs. He's playing with her dog. Mm-hmm. Playing I was supposed to know she left the window open. Left the window open. The dog fell 13 stories and hit a, a and parked he car. he tells it so straight-faced. I threw up, looked out the window. I threw I up and I left. I left with just... without ever telling her she was the one. That is the most fucked up story yes. I've ever heard yes. in my entire life. <laughs> the worst meat cute. Like, and it's just like, I guess after that happens to you, all that's left is just to become a fucking undercover a burnout. That's a, yeah, that's all you can do. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, Sam Elliott looking. He's in prime, like, post-Roadhouse. No. This is pre-Roadhouse. Is Roadhouse 89? It is. I thought Roadhouse was like 87. This is the bad. first of two movies where he plays second fiddle to a guy named Dalton. He's already growing the hair for it in this right. one, I suppose. I, I don't think know this if... just was his hair in this era, actually. See, because what do you got? You got Mask. You got this. Oh, dude. You got Roadhouse. And then it's all shaved off for Tombstone. 
maybe next of is he he's in next of kin with Swayze again, right? Or is that Liam Neeson I'm thinking? It's Liam Neeson. Of? That's but right. I, Sam Elliott maybe. He may be in next of kin, I don't know. I don't know he did like a lot of lonesome dove stuff, but yeah, that's that was the main draw for me because like I watched this when the ranch was in full swing and I was like here he is doing his thing. And, you know, it is him. I will watch anything Sam Elliott does. I think he's one of my favorite actors of all time. And he's he's in that in that class where it's just like if he's in it, he's only elevating. He right. never you're like you're never disappointed to see Sam Elliott. Right. He never shows up and you're just like what and you, you just made me flash back to like I was like totally middle of the road on Starsborn, but Sam Elliott in Starsborn <laughs> incredible stuff yes dude. so good yeah yeah him man crying like in his truck just is gold dude it's so well yeah done. it's great that dude is he's one of those i put him in like the i put him in like him scott glenn sham sam shepherd all those guys i put him in like a weird like they're every men tom they're, scared tom scared they're like dude they're like Hard ass men, like they do shit, but they got a sweet side and they act. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wouldn't try the Scott only, Glenn to see to, for all the money. I wouldn't in the world. fuck with any of those guys. The only one who truly scares me though is Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, he seems like the scariest motherfucker on the because planet. Because he has a look. He's terrifying. He ha- has a perpetual look that that looks like his son just told him he wanted to be a professional tap dancer, <laughs> and he just is disgusted by it. Can't understand why. Okay. That's yeah, yeah, no, and yeah, you throw Tommy. Obviously, he's like he's the king of this gang, like he run, he can he controls that like, bracket. Like, can we get a live stream of like those guys playing poker? Yeah, in a barn somewhere, right? In full cowboy regalia, unfiltered. <laughs> we come back, we do it tonight, full regalia, <laughs> right? Excuse me, okay, <laughs> all right. So, that that alone, that Sam Elliott speech about the only woman he's ever loved, like. Put that in the Smithsonian or something. <laughs> yes. That was one of the weirdest, yes. most perfect things I've ever seen. Right. So good. Honestly, the movie never fully recovered from there. I was like, I, I is there going to be something that wild in this? And, you know, I don't know. Only thing I can think of is me- the scene where they offer straight up offer up the white or the white woman is basically like, I need another fix. And it's like, well, there's another way you can pay. And like, yeah, I'm like, OK. And then the dirty cops uh, break in and catch him in bed. Yeah. The dirty cops also like they have their informant and everything uh, who's working on the inside. A lot, a lot of prison, ra- a staple of the buddy cop genre. A lot of prison rape jokes, a lot right. of prison rape comedy, a lot of threats of prison rape. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just baked in. I guess. Okay. Um, there's a moment once they're kind of on the trail and they know, like, hey, this uh, public defender, maybe we got a problem here. Where the cops all kind of meet him in a public square and encircle him in the dark and they all take their badges off. And I was about to be like, dude, they're just going to straight up beat the shit out of Peter Weller right now. Are they going to RoboCop him? But it's just this kind of weird intimidation tactic where it's like they circle him up. They don't have their badges on, and then they just like they kind of all disperse around him, and it's like, and he's looking off into the. I was like, yeah. dude, that is some theatrical shit for yeah. these blue jean cops. Like, yeah. it's a lot of effort to go through to like intimidate somebody. I don't know. I feel like that's what you put into your Maniac Cop remake. It felt like it was about yeah. to turn into a horror movie. It yeah. really did. Uh, okay, 
of course, and the, we keep saying Blue Jean Cop. Same Elliot references as that. It's a Blue Jean Cop. He's working the. He's working on his twenty seven thousand a year. One day he comes along a drug dealer. There's a ton of money there, and that's more than that guy's going to make in ten years. Next thing you know, he's got he's got himself a pair of blue jeans. It's Blue Jean Cop. So Blue Jean Cop again is code for a cop who takes money from drug dealers. Yeah. It's the thing that we love about Den of Thieves. They're knocking over drug dealers left and right. Yeah. That's how Big Nick looks as good as he does. On a cop salary. But by the way, if you want to tune into We Hate Movies this week, it's PS I love you. <laughs> PS so you get I a, love you. So you yeah. get a lot of Jerry Butler. You know what I the don't best know what that was. Me neither. You know what the best part about that movie is? Jeffrey Dean Morgan being his buddy at the end. That was like, oh yeah, I knew I Jerry. I haven't finished the episode yet. And I have not seen that movie. You've not so watched please PS don't I spoil love it you? for me. No. Oh, skipped man. it. Believe it or not, skipped it. I can't <laughs> believe you. It's cute. You'd like it. I mean, you got Kathy Bates, you got Hillary Swank, you got dead Jared Butler. I don't. I don't need Swank in my in my romantic comedies, honestly. Really? Keep her in the you know, keep her on the dramatic side. Of okay. I, 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 you be careful. I'll make you do Boys Don't Cry as a retro review. You think I wouldn't? You watch be one, careful. I. You think I don't watch Boys Don't Cry once a year just because? I watch it once a year because it's a fucking incredible movie, and yeah. I always regret doing it immediately after. Mm-hmm. Haven't done it in a while though. Avoided it all of quarantine, but maybe it's time. Maybe I forced Veronica. I just, to watch I that just one. hate. I just hate that that one took away the perfect title for that Cure biopic we're never going to get. That's all. They can still use it. Again. I guess, but it's then okay. Nobody people get it. If it gets, if it falls out of the, con- I don't know. I don't know what you use for that. I would just every night I burn the cure. I don't know. The love cats. I don't know. Fascination Street, sure. the cure, yeah. disintegration. Who knows? Um, that's what. It, let's be real. That's, that's what. what that's called. what they're going to. Nobody's call it. used that title. No. So that's definitely what. It and that called. is their best album they ever put out. So that makes sense. Disintegration is the greatest album of all time. Right. If South Park taught us anything. <laughs> okay. Okay. So can you can you answer me this, Noah? Yeah. Why did he name it Sorcerer? Do no? Are we already? Tri- I'm. Are you got any more? You got any more? Blue Jean Cop. You. That's where it's just gonna peter out right there. There's some other things I like. Okay, so what else did you? We like? don't have to lay out the whole plot for people. I hope you watched it. I hope you enjoyed it, etc. Um, there's a point where the the cops are breaking in, and like Sam Elliott's part of this shakedown, essentially, mm-hmm. of the place. And isn't their informant like? in a BDSM sort of situation. I don't remember. There's somebody tied to a oh, bed no, no, who no, gets no, no, electrocuted. No, 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 no. There, that's, a, that's a guy who is a loose end for the cops and for their drug informant dude. And they send they the big Jim Brown looking right, dude right, with right, the, like, right. the, they the put, kimono. Exactly. Yeah. They put the hit out on him and Sam Elliott. Okay. But how I remember, much dude, money do you want to bet that Robert Rodriguez saw that scene where he was like, nothing officers, clicks his hands up, <laughs> and it's straight up taxi driver style, you know, machine guns or pistols. And then like a machine gun explodes out of his coat. And it's he just mowing people down, dude. That is that is one of the things they Spe- cut for that inner South Park. That made me think of my children. I'm packing. <laughs> <laughs> Silencer. Knife. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, that was great. But yes, in that same sequence, because they're, they're casing the hotel, right? Or they get right. the tip that he's going to be right. there, that he's executing people, essentially. 
But yeah, there's the dude who gets the electric deathbed. Right. That was a little over the top, but pretty cool. And also, again, uh, electric deathbed is my new post post emo hardcore band, okay. and we're currently accepting auditions. Okay. Okay. Electric deathbed. Electric deathbed. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, that leads into the sequence. New like album you beds said, are burning. Coming. Sorry. Uh, yes. <laughs> How do we stay? The well? beds are still still burning. Okay. Still in fact burning. Uh, <laughs> Okay, yeah, my na- my notes kind of trail off after Electric Deathbed. Then I was just really into the movie. We do get, as as truncated as it is, the rekindling of the romance with the former flame, they actually have really good chemistry mm-hmm. and some really good scenes together. And this is really Peter Weller's movie. That's the other thing, is I don't really think this... I think you go into it you're and you're like, you look at the cover and you're like, oh, it's going to be the... This lawyer and cop, like, working in tandem together, like, you know. And it really is, like, kind of split time for a huge chunk of it, which part of me wondered, I was like, okay, in the 20-minute cut, is there more of the two of them together? Is there more of, I don't know, him with his fiance? Because that's another thread that you're like, I feel like he should have broken up with her by now. Like, why has that not happened yet? And you're like, dude, there's like 15 minutes left in this movie. Like, is he going to break it? I got really invested in whether he was going to break it off with his fiance and get back with uh, Susan. Is that her name? Yep. Of course, it's Susan. It's always Susan. Of course. Uh, And Roland is Peter Weller. Richie is Sam Elliott, correct? Yeah. Okay. Roland. It's Roland Dalton. And Richie... Sambora. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's Richie Marks. Right. Okay. I guess the last kind of thrust of it, the third act, which feels very rushed. Again, right. I want to know where those 20 minutes are. Are they like interspersed throughout this runtime or is it like a huge chunk of like B or C plot that we missed? But basically, Weller needs to break in to the police evidence room mm-hmm. to get the tape that has the interaction from the very opening of the movie where the cop was shot that basically clear makes it pretty clear that like yes this was self defense and his yeah, client should they get don't, off yeah because the they on the, the tape the cop does not identify himself right. yes yeah and it matches up with his prior testimony yeah. as well so not to mention that we find out this dirty cop has a fucking red Porsche in his garage <laughs> right which is like you know that's right they do they, he Surreptitiously what, gets into the home by talking to the wife and everything. Yeah, I forgot the, about that. The scene close. where Sam Elliott tells about the whole thing about the dog, he says cops don't hide their money really well. He'll yeah, have if you money, want to know anything about him, just literally just check out the guy's house. Yeah. So he is breaking into the police evidence room. He gets taken captive by right. the dirty cops. Right. He's about to be a total goner, essentially, until his little buddy Richie shows up, saves the day. Uh, but the cops still get away, but they they catch a taxi. They get back to court just in time to find out that the tape cannot be used and the judge is not going to allow it into evidence. I love the, the cab driver. I studied the Constitution. I take my test. You got a right to be in court. I'm going to get you in court. And he's <laughs> right. like, oh, that crap be coming for me, man. He just like takes he just takes this whole taxi over this like embankment of cop cars and just round the, the, the front steps of the courthouse. Yes. On the street, you're the law. <laughs> But here, I'm the oh, law. Oh, yeah, the judge the comes judge out and is like, like, yep, I'm going to interfere with the, the dirty cops who are did literally... Did you catch who like one, of the, one of the cops was, Noah? 
I think I did catch this. Holt? McElhaney. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I did see him in there. Random, right. dude. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's everywhere. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. So he goes in. He can't use the tape. So he just has to give a badass closing statement. And why is that, Noel? Because we learn from his fiance. this is what he does. This is his juice. This is his action. Yes. This is why he's not going to go back. He's going to just, he's going to be a public defender because it do, he lives for this. This yeah. is what he does. This oh. is what Roland Dalton does. 100%. He fights the good so. fight for those who can't. Exactly. Right. And delivers the closing statement, gets the guy off. What are we going to do? We're going to go take down the bad guys with like five minutes left right. in this movie. I love it. I love when he comes outside. He's like, where you know this? Oh, I bet they're halfway to wherever by now. You want to drive or you want to shoot? I'm like, Sam Elliott, you're oh. pulling out a gun in the middle of the <laughs> right. like, Here, drive or shoot, pick one. It's like, what? Okay. <laughs> Earlier, it's the first scene where they're kind of like getting into the shit or whatever, but he's like, hey, uh, <laughs> I don't mean, I forget the lie, but he's like, you don't happen to have uh, anything in there for me, like a bazooka. It's just great yeah. Peter Weller delivery. And he's like, you know how to use that thing? He's like, I'm from New York. And I'm like, dude, I guarantee you that's the kind of thing where it's like, if there was any kind of audience for this movie at the time, people were just like, fuck oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. totally. So I love that, yeah, just Peter Weller. That, that's all the explanation you need. It's just like, yeah, I grew up in New York. So, of course, I know how to use <laughs> firearms. Like, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, but whatever. So... Uh, and there's also the sequence at, is that Coney Island? It's got to be, I imagine. I can't or imagine. Or an approximation be- of Coney Island, but where the, the assassins, essentially, <laughs> the dirty cops come for Sam Elliott. Who's been fishing all day long. Yeah, dude. That's I just love his, his life of just like just hanging out. Like, Living in movie theaters. Yeah. <laughs> fucking fishing off Coney Island. Yeah. Like, who cares? Exactly. Uh, that is a really solid action sequence, which culminates with him, like... Oh God! What is the lie? He gets—he's he's like, like, "Fuck you, man!" He, and like, he kicks him off. He's, no, actually, actually, asshole! It's fuck you because he <laughs> rips the shit out and like, yeah, it's on a. You, there, it culminates in a roller coaster that which, literally which goes if off you're, the track. If yeah. you're listening to this trailer, you will hear the Jimi Hendrix. Excuse me, why I kissed him? That I is the that image you we, see yes. as this roller coaster is going off the rails and like crashing terribly to the ground that's i how. forget that you all well that's how you also know from the get-go that peter weller cannot stay with his fiance yes because she thinks that Jimi hendrix is heavy metal i love that he calls her on that it's like he's a genius but he is definitely not heavy yeah. metal isn't peter weller also a genius isn't he one of those guys who has like crazy degrees and doctorates so. that you don't think of because he yeah. also happens to act but like he's incredibly intelligent i like, believe so i feel like he was a big head back in the 60s too gotta like, be i feel like yeah. it Interesting dude, all ne- literally never not enjoyed him in a movie. I can't Another one of those guys, same. So a perfect pairing for like, hey, two guys who like I'm always happy to see. You get them together, like I had a good time. I wanted a little more of both of them. I again, I felt like it really leans into being like way more about the Roland character than it does about Richie. Right. But I also don't know how much I want to hang out with Richie, who's just like brooding over this dog that he killed, however many years ago. Oh, well, he gets on it when he needs to, because you remember the scene where he's like, uh, you see this gun is completely clean. I splatter your brains all over the face. What do you think it's going to matter? I want to know. He's like, I want all the information. Like he's, I don't know. And then like the, just the scene where he's like, he's like cleaning his gun out and the other dirty cop is like coming into the, the 
uh, locker room or whatever. It's like there's just that weird tension of like, oh, this guy, he knows they're dirty. He know they know that like they brought him in on one case. He's kind of followed the the lead and like done what they've said to try and like gain their trust. But they never say like, oh, he's on. Uh, he's part of IAB. They don't have a reason not to trust him. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe when they finally see like he's with like Roland, they're like, okay, right. we can't trust this. No, dude. they ID him together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So flash forward again to the end of the movie. They get, he gets his client off. They hop out and immediately. It's like, you're going to drive or shoot because earlier we didn't even mention that sequence, but there's the whole bike chase with right. the bud seat, which I enjoyed. I just love Peter Weller in what seems like actual like New York traffic. Just tell these guys, fuck off. Like yeah. you tell these guys, get the fuck out of the way. Okay. Anyways. So they hop in the car, they hightail it to the airport. <laughs> Sam Elliott jumps onto the landing, landing gear of this, this airplane, which chucks like some a- grenades up, shoots into it. Chucks a grenade or two up in there, mm-hmm. dives off. We blow up the bad guys. <laughs> End of movie, essentially. They make it Except back. We they, get a they weird circle little it back to LaGuardia where they took off from. And once they're back on the ground, you're like, oh, okay, they're good. Nope, that yep. grenade, boom, yep. done. But he bails out in the water. Peter Weller goes to meet him, gets him out of there. I thought we were literally going to freeze frame. That's it, what like, I was expecting the entire time. And then it has this weird extra ending ending extra ending where we just kind of see like Roland's back in the groove of things he's still public defender well no he goes to dinner with the wife's fiance with the fiance that and she's after? like after yeah because she's like oh the baby's dead i like i never had a baby i lost it and he's like well hey now's a good time to tell you guys something and then it smash cuts to him walking back through the prisoner lineup That's with his right. sheets okay i thought all of that happened and they go the back trial, to the joke no, about right. the condom or whatever and that's how you end it. He's just, all right, he's back being a DA. Yeah, that's it's it. just a or, weird uh, cut because the, there's the cop that passes him. And he's like, hey, Boski. And then it's just like hard cut to the credits. Was, yeah. yeah. Um, felt a little weird. Intact. I know it's meant to just tell you like he's he's back in the group. It's a he nice loose there, end. But it's like you kind of know that's I mean, where he's you, headed. You could end with some ambiguity. You end with, with him the two not. buddies coming out of the water. Yeah. But also, again, it's not that movie. It's Peter Weller's movie. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I this did, could I have been again. My expectations were that was more what we we're going to get. What I actually got, still enjoyed, because like basically like a really solid supporting role from Sam Elliott and a different take on the on a you know. Kind I mean, of crime it, it didn't reinvent the wheel, but I'm not mad. I saw it. I enjoy these guys. I mean, who's I to say that? With it. What if Roadhouse was supposed to be the sequel to that, and okay. they couldn't get Weller <laughs> for the Patrick Swayze role? And it was just like Dalton and, I mean, obviously not Richie anymore, but it's Dalton and Wade Garrett, his old buddy, you know? We can dream. We can all dream. We can all dream, About Shakedown and Blue Jean Cop. Um, Yeah. Call Blue Jean Cop in every country but this one. (laughs) Can't get the good titles. Uh, (laughs) There's another movie called Shakedown, too. Right. Make sure you're watching the 88 version, not the, uh, I think Gary Busey's in the other one. I think so. I don't know. Be careful. Be careful out there. Uh, so that's a, that's a thumbs up for me. I'm glad you made me watch this one finally. Solid recommend. I literally would have never. I didn't know this movie existed until like a couple weeks ago when you first brought it up. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. That was Shakedown from 1988, and we're gonna uh, transition now into a, a movie called Sorcerer from 1977. Let's take a listen to the trailer, which I doubt will have much dialogue. So uh, I may cut this short, but you know. Just play some Tangerine Dream, baby. Oh, we could do that too.
1971, William Friedkin directed The French Connection. It received five Academy Awards, including Best Picture of the Year. In 1974, he directed The Exorcist. It made history. Since then, Friedkin has spent over two years in five countries on three continents, creating his latest film, an unusual adventure into the realm of suspense. by their past, robbed of their future, trapped in a life that was also a death. Four men take an incredible chance, face an impossible challenge, and risk the only thing they have left to lose. Everything I loved about to live and die in L.A. Yes. With trucks. <laughs> okay. And no bad guys. Just fate. Fate is the bad guy yeah. in this movie. Right? That's what I'm supposed to claim. Sure. This is this was, I know that he made, I know that he like, you know, uh, was it something of glory, something of fate, wages of wages fear. Wages of fear. Sorry, yeah. To me, is the, this yeah. is like his treasure of the Sierra Madre. And like, no matter what, if you go in search of fortune, you will fail. And fate is a a, a fickle bitch, and you just gotta watch out for. Him. You know, one minute you're you're doing just fine, you're knocking off the fucking church, and bam, you gotta run down to wherever the hell they are. One minute you're doing fine, you know, you're you're uh, you, 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 somebody's calling in your bad debts, and then bam, you, your buddy kills himself, and you gotta run away. You know, just it's fate is a fickle bitch. That's just what this movie boils down to. 
That's what it's supposed to be, right? Like, fate is the sorcerer? <laughs> I mean, sorcerer is the truck, dog. Well, yeah, but, like, I don't know. Wasn't fate, like, I read somewhere it was, like, they <laughs> called it that because, like, fate was, like, the the overall sorcerer yeah, that he, managed he, everything? I don't know. I think he, like, that's, like, putting a little sauce on it after the fact. Because he also, I think, changed the name of this movie, like, a few days before it came out kind of thing. Right. Um, Sorcerer's Last Minute. But, yeah, it's the name of one of the trucks. I mean, I never caught that. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's not like, there's never a hero shot where it's like, this is the truck that's called Sorcerer. And I forget what the other one is called. But if you look on the doors, you know, they have to piece them all together and everything. Yeah. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. Sorry. Okay. You liked it? I fucking loved it. Okay, glad to hear it. Sorcerer, 1977, is about four desperate men uh, who find themselves in a uh, a fictional Latin American con- country. And uh, they got to drive some dynamite to an oil well fire. It's a very simple movie. But things are not as always as they seem. Yes. <laughs> okay. We open in earnest. We... I hyped it a bit. What did you think of the opening, like, 20 minutes of this movie? The four vignettes that we get that intro all of our characters. Post-film school, Gavin? Loved it. Pre-film school major stuff? I would have been like, what the hell is this? If I'd have been in Live in 77, the fuck did I walk into? I'm out of (laughs) here. That's what I would have done. I know they had to put up signs like, hey, you know... Sorcerer is in yeah, English. You're in the right movie. That, yeah. yeah. Well, also, so. there's hardly any dialogue, and what right. dialogue you are getting is subtitled, yeah. so you can understand people being... But th- these are the same people who, like, watch The Exorcist and was like, why is it open on Iraq? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on here? Is that understand. your 70s voice? This is my disgruntled 70s <laughs> film goer. Why is it starting in Iraq? I didn't get it. What's going on with that little girl? Let's get to Georgetown. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's get to Georgetown already. Just trim it. Just trim it, Billy. We don't need it. It's uh, other. If I if I don't set up Marin here, he just kind of shows up mythically an hour and 40 minutes into this movie with no context. I, I need the prologue. Billy, wait, no. <laughs> it's Max. It's Max von Sydow. People will get it. He's kind of People will get it. He looks really old, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> I don't know. That well, guy's we not going to work for we, 10 years. We found a new character. I don't know who this person is, but I like them. Okay. Can you please we, talk like that in every critique of this movie, too? I would love that. I can try. Okay. I can try. Okay, so we open in earnest in Veracruz, Mexico. Okay. And we meet Nilo. The names are not important here. This is the assassin guy. All, all we see in this opening is him kill a dude. And then go down an elevator and exit a building. And you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> Short, simple, and to the point. I thought this movie had trucks, but all right, let's, I'm not going yeah. with it. Now we're in Jerusalem. Ooh. In Israel. Yeah. And we got, these are Palestinian, just to clarify, because again, you're given no context except for visual storytelling. Right. And you just got to kind of go dude, with the flow and pay attention. Dude, I would love this entire movie had no fucking dialogue. I mean, I would it watch pretty it much, over and over. It could. And you can also, you don't have to pay attention to any of the dialogue Mm-mm. either. Because there's, not like, that's not what it's about. Anyways. In Jerusalem, these are Palestinian militants yes. who are disguising themselves as Jews. Okay. And they set off an explosion. And then... 
basically they retreat to their hideout. They're about to like leave the country. They're intercepted by the local military and basically all of them get either shot, killed, or dragged off by the authorities except for one guy who's left, which is Kasim. His only first choice. Yes, the only guy who was like, I need this dude in this movie, who says, you know, maybe ten lines. Maybe. But he's great. They're, everybody's great in this movie, but yeah, you start to look, you start to hear the behind the scenes stories, and it's like, yeah, he pretty much had like a list of like 15 people for all of these roles, and like settled on like the 15th and 16th in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, that... This is one of my favorites of the the intro vignettes, but that last shot of like his comrade is being taken away and he like has disappeared into the crowd. Essentially, they don't think he's part of it. So he's he's blended in. But just and the look between the two of them of just like, dude, I just got fucking I'm dead. Like, I just got nailed by these guys. I'm getting taken in now. I'm probably going to be tortured. Masada is going to you better start running. because I'm about to give you up, son. Exactly. (laughs) You got a 30 minute head start. Get your ass to Mars. Well, or or Paris now. Yeah. Where we'll transition to. Uh, This is where we meet Victor and we get some actual dialogue. Thank God. Change. Uh, a little banter with him and his wife. This guy seems super affluent. You're like, all right, rich dude. Everything seems to be above board, right? Well, it turns out he's got some some uh, fraud accusations, and uh, he's got to put up some collateral. So he goes to his business partner. He's like, hey, you got to get your daddy to bail us out. Uh, and the guy's like, I don't know. I'll try. Blah blah. blah. He's having brunch, I yeah. believe, with his wife and one of her friends goes outside to meet the guy again and he's like try to try to talk to my father no dice and it's like well you just got to try again like we got we got to figure this out otherwise like we're ruined my family's ruined etc and his business partner goes and uh sits down in his car a porsche i believe and then promptly blows his brains out yes and he i love that i don't even think he goes back into the restaurant he's just like I'm so fucked. Bails on his wife. No, he tells bails dude, on this. He de- tells him, "Tell my wife I had to go away on business." Right, but he does not address the dead dead body at nope. all. He just kind of bails out. Yes. Last we see of him. Finally, for all the antsy, for all the people in the audience who just you know, Billy, they're never so, going to understand. So frustrated, they keep Billy, waiting too long, Billy. <laughs> New Jersey, finally, Elizabeth, <laughs> New Jersey, Roy Schneider. It's Schneider. Schneider. What'd you say, Roy Schneider? Schneider. Sorry. Was Roy Schneider? I was thinking his... of Schneider from uh, what show is that? He was the Super. One day, I don't know, man. Seventy. You think it's Schneider of Three Ninjas fame? No. I want him. I want Schneider. Sure. Is that what you're thinking of? Roy Schneider. Excuse me. Yes, the captain from Sequest DSV. Of course, the <laughs> only thing that anybody knows him from. Hundred percent. Oh my God! Is that cheap, Brody? <laughs> okay. <laughs> this apparently is based off a real life like church bookie heist robbery. Okay. Yeah. Who the boss in this yes, movie? Yes, the boss in this is the guy who did the actual oh, crime. Right. This is that Michael Mann. Like Michael Mann, in a lot of ways, inherits some of the Billy Friedkin tendencies of like you're gonna do it and you're gonna learn it top to bottom. You're gonna like. 
you're going to become this through vigorous repetition. <laughs> and I'm going to get the guys who've done it. Because that's what exactly. he does too. He always gets yes. the guys who've done it. So they go in, church robbery, back room. They wing a priest. They shoot him in the leg, if I'm right. not mistaken. And there's the, you, you, you know, in any of these scenes, you always have to have the, do you know whose money this is? And it's like, dude, they always Please. know whose <laughs> fucking money it is, except in killing them softly, where they make a huge mistake. <laughs> okay. So, they they escape, they're on the run, and then there's a disagreement with the other two guys in the car, essentially. About having Shiders shot driving. And yeah, they're debating the cut, etc. Having shot the priest, and the argument escalates. Roy Scheider just like totally fucks up this car. I don't, dude. I don't know if you read any behind the scenes trivia. Yes. The amount of time they put into this car wreck, which looks fantastic, by the way. But he was like, he had this stunt crew trying it over and over again. It wasn't working, and eventually he calls in this specialist where they're like, "Hey, this guy." He'll Literally, he's he's like the evil Knievel of stuntmen. <laughs> he walks around for like what? He said he walked. I think the thing he, he like walked around for like an the hour. Situation, then he's he like, looked at it for an hour, like build me these things, and he got it the first fucking test. Yes. That's what and I love. The, the, I mean, the car literally like flips over on its hood, skids into a fire hydrant. Like it's it's insane when you see it play out. All all of these sequences, by the way, immediately. I don't know about you, but it's just like. I'm just in this, but like the riot scenes in um, in Israel that we see, mm-hmm. like all, all those crowd shots, it's the kind of stuff where it's like, how do you stage that? Well, here's the thing: how do you God. you do know that they did the first bombing, and in the midst of setting up for a second take, there was a real bombing, yes. and then half of that crowd footage is actual footage of like the reaction. In Jerusalem at the time. That's what I loved. That's yes, because it me. definitely That's how you don't fake it. Is you yeah, just, it's real yeah. life documentary. Like that was they were just there. Yeah, you know, and it and it happened, and yeah, with anything, just that, not knowing where it was going, what was happening. Again, I'm reading about sorcerer. When I read about this movie, Sorcerer Noah, do you know what I'm reading it in reference to? I'm reading it in to a. A retrospective about like Tangerine Dream and the sound and it mm-hmm. being synth based and in my head this was like a this was supposed to be like a mystical magical thing because I'm reading this while I'm watching The Keep from Michael Mann right so in my brain Sorcerer thinking Sorcerer I'm thinking Stranger Things season three, the the Dragon's Lair game they're playing <laughs> right. I don't think trucks in the jungle I'm like Sorcerer is this like some fucking like Excalibur shit? Like what is this Excalibur before? What are we doing here? So not knowing where it goes, I'm like, and you explain, okay, it's trucks. I'm like, all right. Again, didn't see it on the side of the door. I'm just wondering, what is the sorcerer? What are yeah, we doing you're like, here? What's the sorcerer showing up? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you could have had like a demon sorcerer come up out of the ground and take these guys back to hell. <laughs> Would have bought it completely. Just with what, with what sure. happens to some of them. I'm like, but, okay, I get it. Um, okay, Roy Scheider, Jackie Scanlon, he's the only one who survives the car wreck, and shortly thereafter, this is the only scene that like kind of keeps going on beyond the Jerusalem sequence as well, right. where like there's a little bit more to it, but we get the setup that like, hey, that priest was actually the brother of a local mob boss, and now your life is over, so you got to get out of town. You can't you can't stay in New Jersey anymore. You probably need to get out of the country. I'm gonna send you to. 
the one place that nobody wants to go because why would anybody ever want to go there? Hard cut to their new life, essentially. And we're kind of following, we're following Jackie, Roy right. Scheider's character. Um, but given the setup, I also love that, like, there's no real protagonist of this movie. No. We don't get a ton of depth on any of these guys because all we really need to know is what we get communicated. These guys are all, why else would they be there other than the most desperate of circumstances? Right. We know where they are mentally. We don't need to, like, have long, drawn-out conversations about why they feel that way now. It's like, we get it, dude. You fuck. This is where you live. Like, we see his morning routine, and it's just like, all right. You could say this is El Rey, where all the bad guys 100%. go if you wanted it's to. Very, and it, very you, El Rey. Yes. Yeah. Like, you could say it's that if you wanted to, and I would buy it completely. You could just say that's the town they live in. It's El Rey. The town, which I believe is is fictional, is Porvenir. Hmm. Porvenir. Okay. I don't know what that translates to, but just the... Poor look, poor face, poor teeth. Yes. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so it's a remote village in Latin America. They shot most of this in the Dominican Republic. Right. Uh, where there was some unrest going on. Uh, yeah, it was basically of, like a, a military And yeah, this, the, there's all sorts of stories we could get into with the background and the making, but like the budget ballooned up like $10 million past what it was slated for. They had to... <laughs> We'll get to the bridge sequence Yo, in a dude, bit, but that alone. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting kind of the introduction to just like their current life. And then separate of this, we see this oil well. And it's like, shit's going well. Everything, you know, boom, all of a sudden, huge explosion. Then we get introduced to these guys and we basically come to realize there's this oil well fire and it would be more like cost effective essentially to blow this thing up and like stop it because you can't get once there's an oil fire in a place like this you cannot get anywhere near it to basically seal off the valve that is shooting this oil up yes so you have to either let it burn off which will take a while or you go in and blow it up and basically seal the fire back on itself and just start from scratch it's cost effective just to blow this motherfucker up yes Essentially. So that there's not an interruption again, so as not to interrupt the giant stream of American capitalism, which we, I mean, we basically, that's an American oil well. Right. Right. But to not upset the flow of that for even a second or slightly adjust the price for like a month or a week, perhaps. Wait a minute. No, this is the 70s. <laughs> exactly. There was an oil shortage. There was a, yes. You think people weren't upset about that? Maybe that's why this movie, besides when it came out, wasn't that big of a hit. They yeah. burned all that oil. Yeah. <laughs> they spent all that money on that. You rotten bastards. <laughs> yeah. Billy, you're burning all that oil. What for? Uh, yeah. We're in a gas crisis. Did anybody <laughs> tell you? You've been off in dreamland, <laughs> playing with your toy trucks. Your fucking toy trucks, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, God. I shouldn't have asked, but God damn, that was funny. <laughs> okay. So, the basic setup, how are we going to put this oil well fire out? Well, only way to do it, you need dynamite. All right. Where's the dynamite we got for this? Well, <laughs> it hasn't uh, really been taken care of that well. And so, you know, some of that nitroglycerin kind of leaked all over everything. 
if you like so much as like wink at this shit the wrong way, it'll explode on you. <laughs> Alright, so how do we get this tainted dynamite 200 miles from where it is located to this oil well fire that needs to be put out hopefully within like the next few days ideally that's what we'd like to happen well i guess we get big ass fucking trucks we fill them with sand and then we just kind of cross our fingers and fucking pray to god that we can deliver one maybe one of these containers because really we only need like a couple sticks to stop this thing to be clear but like we're hedging our bets because it's all screwed up with this nitroglycerin so let's hire the most desperate motherfuckers we can find real badass hard men happens to be a lot of them here we'll put them through a little you know some rigorous testing which you know for the liability <laughs> right. for the suits back home yeah we'll pay them you know, slave wages essentially, but like they're desperate. They're fucking desperate, right? So it's enough, but obviously for our characters, it's enough of payday. And they all kind of have their individual motivations for the money, which are all kind of irrelevant. Like it doesn't matter. It's just obviously, yeah, this is their ticket out of their circumstances. Is, right. So they're willing to pretty much do anything. And when they realize like, you guys are bringing a lot of dynamite for this for this job you don't think one of these trucks is gonna make it you're gonna pay all of us more like if we do make it through this clearly like this is a straight up suicide mission let's make a little bit more so shortly before the journey is about to happen and they have settled on three of our characters we were introduced to and this other random old white haired guy where did he come from Germany yes and he's (laughs) He's friends with the. He is friends with the Palestinian guy because they both hate Jews. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No. The subtext is he's like a Nazi war criminal right, who yeah. is in hiding here. I don't. Do they ever even explicitly say that? It's no. Just, but you see, he just the, looks Aryan you, as fuck. No, but you see like Reich material, like in his room and stuff. Like you get that's where he's hiding yes. out. So, because yeah. I thought Nilla was a bad guy, and I'm like. Oh. This guy's like the the Jew hunter from Return to Salem's Lot. Yeah, no. Or the the Jewish like vampire killer from a Salem's Lot. He's just exactly. out here to kill Nazis. And yes. So Nilo, yes, who we met in the very very opening, we've seen him in the background. He was trying out for the truck too, right? But he didn't get the slot, and he's like, "Well, you know what? I'm just gonna wait till the absolute last second when they're about to head out, and I'm just gonna ice this Nazi motherfucker, and I'm gonna take his spot." And, of course, the Palestinian guy is furious at it and, like, pissed off. And it's like, all right, well, maybe he goes with Roy Scheider and I'll take the Frenchman, I guess. (laughs) So they split up their trucks. There's the great montage of, like, them setting them up and everything. That's how you know they're all hard men, dude. They all know how to fucking fix big-ass trucks and weld and shit. Like... That was like that was a good that was as good the as gearhead in you is already like dude and that's why look we're about an hour in right right but the setup has kind of been breathless dude like the just the pace of the editing even though we kind when we get to Port Vineyard we kind of slow down for a bit we get to that oil well fire too sweet yeah and then on top of that it's like all right well now's the training montage it's like before you know it you're an hour into this movie and you're like and now the journey begins and this is the rest of the movie yeah is is this fucking journey. Can they go 200 miles with all of this dynamite without blowing up? Can they do it? 
218 miles. Yes. That's why Rory Schreider writes yeah. chalk on there. I love yeah. it. Love all the little tiny details. So they set out, but dude, that first, like, it's the closing end of the montage, but when you see it, it's rain swept and everything. It, dude, this Blu ray, by the way. Oh, God, yes. Come on now. Gorgeous. It, but it's rain swept, and you get the, the headlights oh, yeah. first cutting on. You got the Tangerine Dream score going, and it's just. If like, you just flash Sorcerer right then, an hour in. Dopest movie of the seventies ever, dude. <laughs> yeah, fuck Star just, Wars, fuck Jaws, yeah. just like fucking Sorcerer right here. Yeah, you hear that? That's synthetic music. <laughs> you ever heard that before? You ever heard that shit before? No, the fuck you haven't. Yeah, you ever heard a truck that sounds like a tiger growling whenever it cranks up? <laughs> no, I did that shit in this movie because I'm Bill fucking freaking I'm Billy. <laughs> Billy freak, Billy. <laughs> Great job, Billy. Be on the lookout for my eighties crime thriller. To live and die in LA. Coming to you in six years. Yes. Seven years. Okay. So they set out. There's some there's some rough terrain, you know, but in general and I don't I don't even know if we get to the reveal of like they got the sand in the back. Like a, They don't tell they you they're gonna of, do that until like you see and part it of embedded you is in kind that. of like, but why these big ass trucks? And it's like, well, I guess for the terrain, et cetera. But yeah, when you see the reveal of like, well, they needed the space to separate all of this stuff. Right. And to, but also, you can reinforce the chassis a lot easier. You can distribute the weight a lot simpler. And if it's all caked in sand, it's really not going to move. The box itself isn't going to move where the space around it may be fluctuating. It's right. not going to move. Yes. It's pretty ingenious. Yeah. Very, you know, it's still a, a suicide mission. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But it's done in the safest way It gives possible. you a fighting chance, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, I mean, there's some harrowing driving sequences, all great editing and tension and everything, but it's all kind of a blur until you get to the bridge crossing. And this is prior, they've had debates over like, hey, we it's raining. The we entire have the, movie. We have this set path, but like, if we continue to follow this, we're going to bottom out. This, this area, this path is going to be flooded out. We're going to go this other way. Well, hey, that's off the map. We I don't, don't have this it. plan necessarily. Eventually, we get to the most terrifying bridge in movie history, which they built two of to film all of this. And I love the descriptions of. Re- and I'm like, I want a behind the scenes featurette on this. There are no features on this Blu-ray, by the way. Criterion, get me something. But they talk about how. If you like, if you shot this from a macro, like you were able to actually see the set and everything, like I was just like a couple feet of water, right? Like it's not that imposing, and it always fell into the water, like yeah. most of the and time. And it's like he's fighting with like I want, I need the rain, and I want all these elements. So eventually, it's just like it's a combination of like wind towers, fans, all of this different stuff. All that, yeah. And the bridge itself sounds like a really intricate, like special effect with like it's on a gimbal and all these to be able to manipulate it as a counter to the weight of the truck. There were a few times where like, you know, it did dip out or like go off and they had to reset, etc. Whole sequence, I think, and again they had to like they one built of the bridges it. got destroyed. No, no, they built it. It did not the bridge the water dried up. 
That's right. They had to they break had to it down, spend another million dollars to rebuild, rebuild it. it and as location. they were in this yes. different location, it started to lose water, which caused the locals there to be like, oh, fuck you. And they had to get security on set because they believe like, yo, you're you're stealing our water. Like, you're the reason our water's drying. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Over oh, like five million dollars the entire season. I forgot I kind of the whole setup of the oil well, which is like they bring in the injured workers back to the town, the dead, burnt up, charred corpses, and basically like throw them back into the crowd of these people who are like, you know, that's another. No, scene. no, they're taking them away, and the crowd like is no, we're gonna take our dead. Mm-hmm. And then when they shut it down, it's like well, this was your your lifeline here, like. You worked this oil thing, so, you know, you can have your dead back, but if this thing doesn't get going, we can't pay you guys a a wage to come in work anymore, so one of y'all needs to get in this truck and go do this shit. That sequence, though, is another one where I was like, how do you stage this? Like, this just feels like it's happening right now. Like, how do you control this in a take-to-take sort of way. I don't think that you do. I think you just kind of engineer this chaos or, like, insert yourself into it, and you get sequences like that that, again, have this, like, documentary style infused into it. Getting us back on the road and back to the bridge, though. How tight was your butthole through this sequence? It's about about seven or eight minutes long. Like, they definitely, like, I'm on a bridge in Miami, and the Haitian Zopound is throwing cars at me puckered up okay <laughs> full-on mike lowry in this situation in bad boys too gotcha it's it's nerve-wracking dude it's... like i'm sure you watch it a million times knowing how the movie ends it's still fucking nerve-wracking as all get out i know and i know the sequence is coming and it's like the first time i saw it i could not believe i was like i've been hearing about this sequence for like years prior to seeing this movie right and holy shit it delivers like i could not believe how intense it was and then rewatching it this time, the exact same thing. And it's just, it's a feat of editing, choreography, every element of it is just like, again, seemingly flawlessly executed. And then when you hear like, oh, it was actually hell on the other side of this, like the actual production, it's like, that also shows in the filmmaking because it's like, what a task, man. Yeah. Just to maneuver across this little bit. And every time a little piece of wood splinters or any, you're just like, that's it, right? This is, it's, it's going over. So We're done. Not even they, that, dude. Just the, the one before the bridge where they had to do the tight turn on the makeshift bridge. Yes. Like that is just. That was intense too. Yeah. You're just like, dude, you're going to dip off. So they harrowingly, both trucks make it over this bridge, you know. By the grace of the sorceress. Yeah, I guess. The next big obstacle is a down tree. Because, again, they did not plan to take this path. And there is a giant, I mean giant tree, blocking their path. Let's use some of that dynamite. Great sequence of Palestinian guy who's who's good with explosives. What are you going to do? Rigs up this whole system for them to be able to basically activate this trap from a distance so that they won't be injured. This is another sequence that apparently like he wasn't satisfied with the explosion had to call no, it. Was, another no, guy. it was still there. Like he, they blew it up and did what they did. It was still there. They had to hire a fucking arsonist from New York to, to come, come in. Down. Exactly. Arsonist. Who, who are you hire? That's an art. 
Hi, these I guys do a 1099. I'm an arsonist by trade. Here's my taxes. I'm a 1099 employee. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck is employed as an arsonist? I mean, I get it. Arson inspector. You right. paid to be a fucking arsonist, dude? What the fuck? That may it may actually be like a film title thing. Like they may have an arsonist maybe, yeah, in Hollywood. Maybe, I didn't think about actually, that. But yeah. the way that the IMDb trivia reads it, it sounds like it's a guy that someone knows from some city, like some borough in New York. Like I know a guy, and then like he shows up. <laughs> you mean to burn what? And we want you to explode this. You said burn. Yeah, dude. Uh, the 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 tree over there. Go to it. Okay. So they the amazing sequence though of like blowing out this tree trunk and then they get through it and you're like. All right, dude. I think these guys are home free. I oh think my they're God, good. Yes. And then just a little rough patch of road on the side of a mountain. Click, click, boom. I don't know what else to say, yeah. dude. The Frenchman and the Palestinian. After he's they, like, they're, they, they've oh, bonded. Dude, it is it is the ultimate, ultimate. ultimate. I'm about to retire in six days. <laughs> yes. It's the ultimate, like, I can't wait to see my wife again. It's five o'clock in, it's five o'clock in, in Paris. They have the watches. Boom. I, and I love that connection, too, because it is the opening sequence or whatever. And it's like, she's giving him the watch. And, like, you know, it, it tags up on that in a weird way. And he is, even more so than, than Scheider, he's... The character you get kind of the most window into like right. what his life was before and where he's coming from, etc. But yeah, of course, the second he starts talking about, it, you're like, wait, you guys have like barely talked this whole movie. Wait, you talking about your what? Oh, oh no, uh oh, oh. And by the time you have the realization, boom, they they blowed up real good. Yeah, real good. I love the quick cut to the back, to the sand and the the slight shift. Shift forward just a tad bit. Dude, incredible stuff. Scheider and Nilo, excuse me, Jackie and Nilo. They come. Dominguez is his name down there now. Dominguez. Yes. They come through. Oh, I forget there's the whole beat with like his papers not matching up and like all of that stuff. The ID card. Yeah. Okay. They come across the wreckage. They see they've blown up. It's like, oh, fuck. Bandits immediately are on them. This shit's super intense. You're not really sure how things are going to go down. And then it, I had, I rewound it like three times for when this pops off. Cause it's one of those that's just like so quick. And you're like, wait, what just happened? Who got yeah, shot? Yeah. What the, what's going on? How did nobody hit the dynamite? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the main concern. But basically, um, all of these banditos get killed real quick, and Nilo is winged and wounded and is basically in the in the process of dying. So we got one truck left, one mobile truck, and we got one driver left at the end of this. And now we descend into a sequence that I absolutely love, but I also I almost wish there was more of it or more setup for it as well. Because we we're not really getting into into Jackie Scanlon well, that much. I, I argue but, this. I argue this. There are multiple shots in the movie beforehand that show him having traumatic flashbacks to what happened in the wreck. Call. And another sequence where I was with a group of dudes and those dudes died and I did not. A four-man team. Four-man team I, that died and I did not. Am I the bad luck? It really, is is you know fate what? shining you, on me? Your fresh eyes, honestly. And so when, just, so when you get that... To me, I'm like, well, 
this is where I'm not saying like, oh, well, I, I knew this is where it's going. But when you get that and you have them talking about like two whores for you, yeah, two for me, this. And then it's like, no, he's actually dead. He's not alive. He's not talking yeah. to you. And then that like 70s yeah. descent into madness. I don't. Is Willy Wonka in the 70s or is it 60s? Yeah. 70s. Yeah. yeah. The 70s descent into madness always has some weird color. I love and all shaky this. camera and all, back and again, forth. Again, all of a sudden, he looks like he's driving on like the surface of another planet. Yes. He does. That it, is it, my kind of like favorite the end shot. Of Mandy, if right. you will, where all of a sudden it looks like he's driven into another realm. Like this isn't right. Like we're not in Port Veneer anymore. Like right. where the hell are we? He's having all these fun. But you really just clarified for me. It was like, no, there's the whole, there is the running thread. And mm-hmm. so when he realizes I failed that, like, these guys, I blew up that situation. I had to come here and now I'm almost like repeating this cycle. Right. It really does make sense that he's like losing his shit in that right. moment. Way more so than I maybe even give credit for him. Shit. Because that's love where, it even more. That's where you go. It's either I'm losing my shit. I'm doing this again. Billy, or, I didn't even see all these connections. Billy, there's before. so much subtlety in your script, Billy. Yeah, it's Good really job. big and brash and loud, but you got some subtlety in yeah. there. <laughs> I realize Shida wasn't your first choice, but my God, he's doing a lot better. <laughs> okay. I did realize that, like, I did read where he was like, he hated choosing him. Like he respected him and all, but it was like after yeah, Jaws, he, he felt like he got Roy Scheider got too big. Got kind of bridges. a big head. Cause of course they worked together on French connection. And he said, then he's brilliant like, he would do anything for him there. And of course, notably Gene Hackman was the original. Like, I really want Gene for this. Jack Nicholson was it like all of these names you hear in your, and I'm like, great. I would, I would love to see that movie, but that movie is a fundamentally different movie than this because you have to think that, like, in the process of not getting all of his first choices and rewriting drafts, etc., I feel like he maybe hit a point where he's like, maybe it's not really, maybe I don't need the, the characters. Maybe I'm cool with just, like, the shape of, and a, a sketch of these people, but mm-hmm. I don't need these, I, I'm not going to have these huge dialogue scenes, so I don't need these, like, great, fantastic, like, classically trained actors or anything. I just need kind of ciphers for the momentum and the tone and the themes of like what's going on. But yeah, this would, if, if If the script existed exactly as it is and everything else was shot, but it's Gene Hackman in this role or it's Jack Nicholson or it's fucking Steve McQueen, whoever you want to put in here. Okay. You're in, you're immediately like, dude, why is this role so underwritten? Why is Jackie Scanlon like, barely speaking that's what i say if i'm going to do have like barely a character if i'm going to get a big name my big name is going to be the head of that group that shider was with that dies five minutes into the movie that's what i'm going to do as a director because not only did i i tricked you you paid money to come see this and jack nicholson splattered all over the fucking side in five minutes imagine if it's gene hackman and roy shider but they're gangsters this time not cops and you're like Oh shit! And then they kill off Gene. That's a whole other dude. You know, that would have been a whole dope. Other thing, because you know, I just I just <clears> went back and saw Mom and Dad this past weekend for the Super Bowl, and I was explaining to them how because like, okay, Blazing Saddles was on after the Super Bowl, and I like legit sat there and watched all the Blazing Saddles with them. no, was that the Super Bowl? No, that was um, Saturday night. I went back, and Blazing Saddles happened to be on, and I sat there and watched all of it with Mom and Dad. Yeah. Laugh my ass off, but I was like, telling Mom how like nobody at the studio would let Gene Hackman be in Young Frankenstein because he was such a big name. And finally, Mel, Mel Brooks is like, all right, well, we'll put you in the disguise and you got to do it for scale. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm in. I want to do it. Like, they're doing this as they're playing tennis. And they knew, like, there's no way we can have Gene Hackman anywhere near this movie in a credit or, like, on any kind of thing because we'll get, we'll get like, shit can. SAG would want him to be paid all this other money. And, like, right. so he has to agree to do all this to not be in the movie. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought I read somewhere where he freaking was like, hey, uh, maybe because this doesn't have like a big anchor hero is why it didn't do too well. And I'm like, I, no, dude, fucking Star Wars is why you didn't do well. 100%. This is a fucking classic masterpiece, yeah. dude. Anybody who ever wants to make a movie, watch this movie and it will tell you what you can do if you put your mind to it. And this is so far along in the dark brooding 70s like cut to the bone lean mean just like character studies and stuff that kind of removes some of the character out of it but it's like yeah all of this is about to go away because of star wars not only did it literally kill it at the box office star wars coming out it 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 kills the latter years of 70s cinema and as much as like those movies aren't getting made like they're fading to the background and they're going to fade even further into the eighties. And like night moves is like a leftover vestige of that. Like yeah. we talked about night moves. Is it 80 or 75? It's 75. It well, is way 75 off. Yeah. Never mind. Um, but you got to argue jaws was 75. And that, that to me is where the blockbuster starts. Most right. people say so. It, you're, so you're seeing you know, the, my preferred era of like 70 some you're seeing it fade to the background i feel like sorcerer not performing Cutter's way is a 1980 isn't it yes that's i think what that's thinking, what i'm yeah. confusing it with which also still feels very late 70s. dude we could have called this thing two by two gems because like you have literally gold mined these like movies that like people I mean, should watch i mean i'll be completely this one at this point has been like completely critically reassessed it when it came right. out it was really negative across the board. And I remember reading that he has, wanted it to be like his masterpiece that lasted forever. I read that he, it's his favorite film to have made yeah. to go back to. I know Stephen King has said it's his favorite movie to watch. And like I just said, it's a master class in how to play tension. If there ever was one, just editing, pacing, everything about it. Let's yeah. get to that ending though. Cause oh, we God. stopped just short. Oh, so don't even talk. Scanlon's now. losing his mind. Okay. To the point that he's realized and he's taken the long route. has gone too much. He doesn't have any more gasoline. He's out of gas, so he's going to have to hoof it, dude. And one of my favorite shots in movie history, which there's a couple of them in this movie, but probably my favorite shot in this entire movie, is him completely exasperated, hand-carrying one of these cases of dynamite with the oil well fire in the background and him literally handing it off to these guys and collapsing to the ground. And you're also like, if the credits rolled right now, like, dude, I am spent. I'm good. I don't like, need it anymore. He made it we're great. Good. We're solid. Yes. The the final just like, he fucking did it. After all of that, he made it there. We cut back to like, you know, he's kind of, he's the local hero now, essentially. Everything's, you know, coming up roses for him. And there's this moment where he he asked the lady to dance. And this time I was watching it, I was like, "What? what's exactly going on here? Because I, there, other than the Frenchman's wife at the beginning, there's like no 
even hint of a female character, not even a whiff of one. But there's been looks at this woman multiple times. She's and, wound up on screen a bunch. Yes, and I feel like it's this moment of, like, he, as far as he knows, is out of here pretty soon. He's got his exit strategy. And I think it's, like, I've been through a lot of shit here. I've seen, like, some, I wouldn't call them friends, but some acquaintances die up close. I've been through some herring situations with these bandits, etc. I, I had... I, I don't know how you're driving this truck and your heart isn't just like beating out of your chest the whole time with anxiety. But yeah, I drove 200 miles, all this different shit. And I think it's just a moment of like, I want to have a positive memory right. of this place. I want to have something to take home with me. Even if it's just this dance with this woman, like, you know, even if that's all it is, I want to have something positive to take forward with me. So he's dancing with her and you're like, all right, not quite where I expected to be for the end of this movie, but, like, maybe he found some solace or whatever, and, like, okay, we're going to pull out. And we pull into a wide shot. Fucking car pulls up. And, hey, remember the mobster who was, like, my brother, my brother was that priest. He shot him. He's a dead man. Yeah. Remember his henchman? No, that's him and his henchman. Yeah. It's not just, like, I'm going to hire somebody. It's, like, I'm... Yeah, I'm gonna he do that. He said he would track him down to, to the, the ends, ends of the, the earth. earth. Guess what? And he shows up, and you're like, "God damn, damn it. it! I love the '70s." <laughs> <laughs> At least I am. Where I'm just like, I, you know, I like an ambiguous one. Oh, I, I also we like gonna... a total downer. Where Are you're we... like, "This guy Wait a minute. is dead." <laughs> Wait a minute! Don't go getting all soft on me, Billy. I thought we were doing bleak here in the '70s. <laughs> Oh, a gunshot. Oh, there oh, we go, Billy. Okay. Just like I always okay. knew you could. <laughs> five out of five, Billy. It'll be great. Dude. Yeah. Three months I, before that Star Wars comes I, out, you're I just like, shit. Yeah, 100%. It's one of those where, like, I love everything about it, and it's like that ending is just like a perfect cherry on the top where you're just like, but like you said, dude, fate, fate is, fate a, is a, a fickle bitch, bitch dude. And you cannot outrun it. No. You can not outrun fate. No. Um, this is a perfect movie as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Dude, I wouldn't fucking... change a thing about it. Again, we could play the recasting game like all day, but it fundamentally alters what I love about this movie, which is like, it's just four dudes who need to do a well, task because they gotta get well, it done. don't recast it. Just tell me who you're gonna make in the remake. We could definitely Noah, play Noah, who's gonna game. be in your remake? Well, to that point, that's kind of what I what I want essentially is the Inglorious Bastards experience that I had, which was like I know who the fuck Michael Fassbender was, I know who Daniel Bruhl was, like I didn't know any of these guys prior to that movie, and then I walked out and it's one of those where it's like well anything they pop up in I'm interested in checking it out but I'm like I want these untapped international actors that are like killing it in their own countries and stuff that we have no awareness of over here. And then I want, I mean, he's, the, he's the go-to. It's so, it's like old hat at this point, but I want like Michael Shannon. I was going to say, you're going to say fucking Michael cause Shannon. Cause why not? But I mean, if we want to go with somebody, I'm thinking desperation, you know, I, Oh, dude, no. <laughs> He's, I feel like this is another cliched one, 100%. I want Pattinson in this role. That's what I want. Yeah. Okay. I want Pattinson at the end of his rope. I want Pattinson post-good times. <laughs> good time, excuse me. 
he's like, all right, I got my brother out of Rikers, but like my life is fucked. I'm going to Port Veneer. That's where I'm going. Yeah. And then you get, who do we get as the Frenchman? Obviously, Jean Renault. Vincent Cassell. I was going to say, Vincent Cassell, Jean Renault. We need a little bit younger, right? Nah, I don't know. These guys in my head are all like, like 40. Like exactly 40. Right. I don't know. They're all probably in their 30s, but it was a 70s, so who cares? Everybody looks old as shit. Dude, Nilo looks like he's like 85 years old, but he's like the most badass guy in the world. Probably the youngest in the entire cast, too. Yeah. 70s was rough on people, dude. Yeah, dude, that fucking gas shortage. Vietnam was a bitch. (laughs) I mean, collectively, think about it. I mean, think no seriously. Think about seeing that movie in that time. That that's present day. What you fucking survived Vietnam for that? Like, think about it. Like, <laughs> that's what happened to you, right? Like, how fucking bad? Like, dude, fate is a fickle bitch, and she fucks. Like, seriously, <laughs> all of them over. I can't. There's a couple of scenes in movie history that I just will never get out of my head. And after this one. It's definitely that, like, it's five o'clock and paper. <laughs> done. Yeah. Like, just done. <laughs> there's no, there's, that's no it. ceremony to it either. Not at there's all. There's no, like, tragic version of the Tangerine Dream score no, that comes it's, in. It's just like, hmm. yep. Had to happen eventually. Yep. You guys really thought that one of these trucks was not going to blow up? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, God. So good. I loved it. Glad you loved it. Maybe in the remake, we just have like a surprise third one come in. Like, we were tracking you the whole boom. (laughs) Like, it just blows up. I mean, yeah. (laughs) It's the third truck no one's seen the entire film. My real, my dream for it, honestly, again, is a limited series of some sort where it's like, it would, because we're already fundamentally changing it by rebooting it to begin with. It can't be what it was before. No. So now we make it like each of these vignettes. Is episode. an hour long episode. Right. And we get four episodes of intro. We get one episode of them in Port Veneer. We get episode six, which is where the oil well fire ends. A tail end of episode five, because it's midway through the season. The, you know, well fire gets introduced. Mid season cliffhanger. Boom. Sure. Episode six, we start building up the training. By episode seven, we are on the road. And we are on the road. Until episode 10 or however many they give us. Right. Um, and we just milk that tension. And we we get more interpersonal interaction between these guys in the truck. We get more chit-chat because we have the time to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my pitch. If you're even going to touch this. Which, again, it's not off the table. This in and of itself is a remake. Which I yeah. feel like we... I mean, we mentioned Wages it, of fear, yeah. But, yeah, it's like... We can. We don't even have to call it. We're not remaking Sorcerer. We're just doing another adaptation of the Wages of Fear. You can call it something else. I call did, it whatever the other truck was I called. I did I like remember. that. In spite of everything, that Billy went to the creator and said, "Hey, I got your rights. Are you still okay with me yeah, making a movie?" Yeah, let me get your blessing. That also yeah. feels like a totally old school move that like you would not see as much anymore. But especially that era, an American filmmaker also, remaking an international like. And he also offered that dude classic. who had no business getting any money because technically the rights weren't his business-wise. He did offer him a cut as well. Like, I will pay you some of this for having, yeah. you know, done this. So I, I can I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, 
another another 70s masterpiece here, bro. Yeah, dude. I will, and now we're starting to get into the territory where I'm like, there's still some Friedkins I haven't seen. And I'm like hoping that there's another like masterpiece buried in there. But like the year after this is The Brink's Job, mm-hmm. which is like a fun heist movie with, I think, Peter Falk. And I'm like, that sounds fun. And everything I know about it is like, he just made Sorcerer. This dude just wanted to have a good time. <laughs> like he just needed <laughs> yeah. something fun and easy. And it's got a stacked cast and it looks like a fun like crime caper. Haven't been able to really track it down anywhere. But yeah, The Brink's Job is the next on my list that I want to check out. The other one that I've never seen, I know the cover, it's fucking notorious, is Jade with David Caruso from the 90s. Have you seen Jade? I saw it a long time ago. Okay. I don't remember a damn thing about it, but I remember... Is Jade a masterpiece? I don't know. Uh, So I will be checking those out. Uh, And there's also like 10 Friedkin movies I did not name that I also... Like, let let me take a look right now. To see if there's any other ones that I I'm trying to think of any other ones out. I may have seen that independent besides like The Exorcist and um, To Live and Die in L.A. French Connection, I would hope. I saw French Connection too. I've seen a French Connection. Calm asshole. down, dude. Calm Jesus. Do uh, okay. you think that's maybe why he just threw cars in every movie after that? It's like. This was the one where the cars were like kind of slowed down and didn't get to go so fast, except yeah. for the one that had a wreck. Maybe because I mean I feel like every movie like post this there's a big car chase. That is true. Like live and die in L.A. They've got that huge one across the entire. I gotta go back and watch that again, dude. Do you have it on Blu-ray? Yeah, you can. Borrow Let me borrow it. that shit, dude. I want to um, watch that again. Okay, good times. I'm not familiar with at all. The birthday party. The Night They Raided Minsky's is supposed to be pretty solid, I think. That's a comedy from 68. Hmm. Uh, the Boys in the Band in 1970 have not seen. French Connection, 1971. Yeah. Fucking classic. Exorcist in 73. Sorcerer in 77. We didn't even mention that this is his follow-up to The Exorcist. Right. And, again, this kind of kills the run, honestly. But, like, out of the gate for most people, broadly speaking... French Connection and Exorcist is, like, one of the craziest one-two punches of a director, like, ever. I mean, Scorsese has a couple of those, like, back-to-back ones where you're like, God damn. But the French Connection and the Exorcist within two years of each other is insane. Like, I just, I can't imagine making those movies. Um, But The Brink's Job is the year after Sorcerer. really want to check this one out. And then we're into Cruising, which I also have on Blu-ray if you want to borrow. Um much more flawed than the other ones we've discussed, but, like, great fucking movie, dude. I really liked Cruising. Weird to say, but I really, really liked it. Um, then we get into the weeds, dude. I don't know some of the stuff. Uh, Deal of the Century, a couple music videos, Wang Chung music video. Of course. Uh, to Live and Die in L.A., yes. of course, uh, in 85. Rampage. Rampage. What is Rampage? Liberal district attorney decides to seek the death penalty for a man who slaughtered a family at Christmas time, then drank their blood. Okay? He escapes, though, and starts killing again. Rampage. Who did Falling Down? Do you know? That's a Schumacher. It is? Yes. Okay. Do you know who is the lead in Rampage? No idea. Michael Bean. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, man. Where is that movie, Noah? Um... 
I don't know. We got to track it down. No, well, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia and that movie. <laughs> I, maybe we got to watch Rampage. We do need to watch Rampage. We can compare Dude, it to... Dude, Art LaFleur, the babe himself is in this movie. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? You got Art LaFleur, you got no complaints. My, Great. Dude, this sounds like Grace Zabriskie, Sarah Palmer herself is in the show. Or is in this movie. Holy shit. Sarah Palmer, who's that? Laura Palmer's mother. Oh, I thought you were talking about someone else. No. Okay, dude. Yeah, we gotta track that one down. I'll let you know if it's any good. Wait a minute. Wait. So he decides to track down a person. A liberal district attorney. I'm assuming that's Michael Bean. What decides to seek the death penalty for a man who slaughtered a family at Christmas time, then drank their blood. He escapes though and starts killing again. 1987. Oh wow, that's weird. So this is two. This is right after. Uh, to live and die in L.A. As far as features go, he has. When does the first power there. come out? Because that would be a dope rewatch to put those Could two do together. Them both together. Uh, I I will check the the first power in a second. I mean, I know that was one that was like um, the Guardian. That's the one that was on like that horror compilation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never seen it proper. That could be interesting. Blue chips with Shaq and Nick Nolte. Oh yeah, that's the movie. football, basketball. basketball. That's Shaq. <laughs> no, the program is what I'm thinking. Program of. That's also with Nick Nolte. I believe so. I don't know. Is a football one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Nick Nolte, I forgot to put it on my list. I watched Affliction. Oh shit, dude! I've never seen Affliction. Yeah. I've actually had it on my list for a while. We talked about it last time. I it's fucking on Prime or uh, Hulu. All right. Watch it. Uh, Jade in '95. Okay. And then takes a long break. Comes back with Rules of Engagement. Okay, legal thriller. Sam Jackson, Tommy Lee Jones. Maybe it holds up, dude. I don't know. I only saw it once. And I think yeah. You only saw it once. Yeah. Oh, I liked it. Oh, okay. You were kind of you just kinda of gave me no reaction. I thought you like oh, I was Because like, right I mean, literally Look, th- dude, it's years, as forgettable as I'm you sorry. watching it one time, but it's still a good movie. Three years after Rules of Engagement though, he makes this is one of my most underrated gems that nobody talks about. I love. Do you know what I'm about to say? What are you gonna say? I love Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio del Toro in The, the hunt? Hunted. That's dude. a freaking joint. That's a freaking. I fucking movie. love that movie, dude. I own that movie twice. Two know, separate dude. DVDs. I'm just saying, even into the 2000s, he still got it, baby, dude. I love The Hunted. Nobody talks about it. I no. feel like it came and went. I. So Dude, good. I wrote a weird like script about like a thing in the woods that was like killing people, like literally a month before this movie came out. I had no idea what the hunted was, and then like you open with like Benicio in the woods killing these hunters and shit. I'm like, who the fuck stole my idea? Did not know it was Billy Freakin that <laughs> yeah. did it. You took my idea, uh, Billy. You took my idea, Bill. <laughs> Uh, and then you went off and you made Bug like three years later and yeah, then kill a Joe. Yeah. Uh, and then The Devil and Father of Morth, which was a doc, basically about like a real life exorcist priest, yeah. uh, which I have not watched yet. And he does have something in development currently. He might, he might crank out one more. We'll see. But yeah, so Rampage and Jade... I think that's I think that's where you I'm know if it. you don't want to do these on retro rewatches, we can totally make it a new segment called feeling freaking, <laughs> feeling Dude. freaking. And I mean, we've done I two mean, we've done two of them so far. There's always the door is always open to you know make him our next director that we go through. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah. Before we do we'll that, do, though, we ought to finish the one where we've got two directors already. Yeah, we probably we should. should. We should probably do that. Yeah. Because okay. I finally watched Dune. I told you about it the you other day. You did tell me about that. He finally watched Dune. All right. Um, as is tradition now, we're not going to reveal the March 2x2 two two until our next episode. Right. So, if you want to hear what we're going to be doing next, we don't know yet. No we idea. we got to decide. we got to go watch them and then, you know, exchange movies, etc. So, if you want to know, tune in in a couple days, next week, I don't know, for our feature review we're, we're sticking with the HBO Max Warner Brothers slate. Yes. We're talking Judas and the Black Messiah. Very excited for this one. Um, really amped, hoping it delivers. We'll see. Okay. That comes out this Friday. We're recording this on a Wednesday slash now it's Thursday because it's after midnight. It's almost one in the morning. Time is a construct. This, up. this is true. It's also a flat circle. Um, but yeah. We're doing Juice and the Black Messiah coming yes. up very soon. We hope you'll rejoin us for that, and we will announce the next 2x2 two two for March at the end of that episode. Sounds like a plan. I have enjoyed this. I enjoyed the Sorcerer Shakedown. I hope you listeners did as well, and thank you if you stuck with us this long. We love you all. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I have been Noah. And I've been Gavin. And we've been the Blanchard Brothers. And you've been listening to what we what, how are we ending this now? I don't know we've been really petering out on the yeah end. we have we know what we used to just say what? thanks for listening yeah hey thanks guys hey thanks guys Billy thanks for doing what you Billy, do Billy thanks for whip, you know cranking out that sorcerer <laughs> I, I think that George Lucas is overrated that's what I think the man Bill. makes one two movies and people think he's a genius I mean it's three if you count that THX piece of shit <laughs> the, the caddy person who's like sorcerer is incredible thx suck dick I, I mean thx was kind of shitty wasn't it like it wasn't the best thing i've never sat through it start to finish i will admit that on this podcast i've never seen it start to finish billy we all know who the real who really stood the test of time lucas made those Nobody terrible god awful who han solo is anymore <laughs> It's all about Jackie Scanlon, <laughs> the most immortal film hero of classic 70s cinema, Jackie Scanlon. Never mind Popeye Doyle or, <laughs> or, or Luke Skywalker. You know who I liked? I was really surprised, Billy. I liked that Nilo fella. <laughs> He's a Nazi hunter. I appreciated that. Is it, Are we doing like a really bad like Jewish stereotype? I don't know what we're doing. Are we allowed to release this? I, I feel like we sound like we're just two 70s. If we, uh, are we getting Woody Allen on each other? Is that where we're that, going? That's not where I was going at all. Uh, probably a good time to end the episode. Probably, though. yeah. If, uh, if you live in New York and are offended by this episode, Brooklyn. please let us know. Bronx. The Archivee. Manhattan. In Manhattan. Sorry. Uh, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> all involved uh, alright we're, we're done here we're done here <laughs> Billy we're done here